Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode where tonight it's the Mad Monkey's film pick of the week, and we're going to be talking about The Witches of Eastwick from 1987 and directed by George Miller. Yes, the Mad Max George Miller. What the fuck? I know. We're going to talk about it. Um, but anyway, before all that is said and done, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the man with the ten rings, the Golgi Keith. Well, hello, everybody. How you doing tonight? Bringing the high energy. I love it. All right. Let's see if the monkey can do any better. I'm channeling some Dean. Sorry. Oh, no, you got to be a little slower when you talk about the Dean. And you got to be loud, but then go really soft. you got to be like Dean, like, uh, you know, uh, Michael Caine about it. Yes. <laughs> hello. And anyway, what do we have? Hello. What do we have? How are you all doing tonight? A little, little better for you? Yeah, that, see, that's better. That's a little better. You know, you got to work on the Michael Caine a little bit more. you got to go, yes, hello, yes, what do we have? Yes, okay. Yes. First I need to answer everything ongoing. with a question. Yeah. you got to get confused about a lot of shit, too. What? What are you guys talking about? Yeah, no, you gotta, yeah, got to do that, too. You know. yeah, you got to snore. I mean, unfortunately, guys, fans of the Dean, he's not going to be on tonight's episode. He's busy down in Midwest Haddonfield, haunting the residents with his candy bean routine where he uses a baguette to kill you. It's a whole thing. He loves it. We love him for it. So we wish him luck, you know, and, and uh, see if we could conjure him up uh, next week to do uh, the show. But we are joined by the Mad Monkey, the psychotic simian himself, the Prince of the Day. Yeah, yeah, it's lucky with it, monkey. That's right, Screamlings, this is the Mad Monkey, and we, your Talking Terror crew, are broadcasting to you live, baby. For the next two hours, we will be coming in your ears as we bring you the latest at horror news and trivia, movie reviews, and probably a bunch of other shit that won't make any goddamn sense to you anyway, unless you're as messed up as we are. So make sure you listen live, make sure you listen on iTunes, listen on Spotify, hell, it really don't matter, because we're just like a bad case of scabies, we're fucking everywhere, baby. <laughs> so what's up, my bright family? <laughs> wow. See, that's the energy. Well, that's like the energy. Herpes. He brings it back. Yeah. I mean, Herpaderp. I mean, hopefully we have some listeners after we talked about Haddonfield, Alabama last week for like a solid 20 minutes. I mean, we still listen <laughs> after that. You guys love it. Come on down. What's you on the dog? <laughs> Come on down, y'all, to Haddonfield, Alabama. We got Michael. We got Dr. Loomis. We got it all. Yeah, had to feel. Try some had to feel. Six shots, I say. Six shots were fired. <laughs> but no, he wouldn't I stay down. <laughs> Man, that big ass won't stay down, goddamn Michael. Goddamn, we didn't need to bring the candy dean in here. Candy dean can fall real quick. Break out his bag yet, and he'll be like, wah-ha, wah-ha, Michael. And he'll be down, down like a bitch. 
Six times. <laughs> I, I shot him six times. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, I said it was six times that we shot that motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sorry, Daddy. I only saw four. Shut up, Brandon. You ain't taking shit. Go back to the car. Anyway, like I was saying, Sheriff, six times. It was four. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before, before, before we get stuck back into Dukes of Haddonfield, all right, before we get into anything else, Ghoul, I told you I was going to ask you, and here we go. Straight That's off, right. Before we get into anything else, okay, man, how was your return trip to the movie theater? How was the movie, and how was the actual viewing experience, man? All right. So, so yes. Yes, indeed. I returned to theaters this, this past week to, to watch the MCU film, Shang-Chi, uh, Shang-Chi, uh, if we're going to pronounce mm-hmm. it correctly, uh, channeling our oh, best thank M. Night you. Shyamalan. Um, well, like M. Night, like M. Night taught us with uh, The Last Airbender, there are no hard A's in Asian language. So there's no A, there's no Shang, it's Shang. Um, mm. so all of them are soft A's, ah, 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 ah. Um, uh, so anyway, listen, you know what? I, I went to the, the, to, the, to, to the Brunswick Square movie theater, the East Brunswick Theater. It's the smaller of the two main theaters that I go to. Um, Seating-wise and time-wise, it just worked out better that way. Uh, it was glorious, man. Like, honestly, it was hard. Mm. Not, it was, it, it was, it, I was choking back tears to, like, finally get back in that seat. You know, get reclining in there. You know, we ended up moving from uh, where I initially got the tickets. Again, AMC, always so awesome with this kind of stuff. But, you know, like the the front three rows were empty. Um, So, you know, I I just ran up to the girl real quick and said, hey, listen, you know, we've got our seats over here. Can we move them to there? She's like, sure, piece of cake. I'll block those off. Nobody else can buy them. They're yours. Take them. So uh, so we moved our position and that was fantastic because it centered us right in the middle. Um, the Brunswick Square Theater is weird because it's one of those like old shopping mall style theaters. So some of the rooms are really small. And those first three rows, if you're in that third row, it's almost like being right on top of the screen. This theater is one of the larger two, I guess, because this was the, a release night uh, or weekend of release movie. So this is one of the larger theaters. I've never been in that screen before. Uh, so, yeah, that third row was perfect. It was, like, exactly where I love it. I could see all the action. The sound was fucking bombarding me from every angle. Um, I had my, my normal pretzels with cheese. Only went with one. Oh, uh, yeah. Sam, pretzels with cheese. Yeah, you know, I didn't, didn't want to overdo it, you know. I'm, like, I, I, I'm a bit more of a svelte ghoul than I was a couple months ago, kind of trying to keep it True. that way. Um. I had uh, I had put on some of that uh, that COVID weight and wasn't feeling very good about things. Now I'm feeling a little bit better. Regardless, the uh, as far as the the theater experience goes, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to be there again. It was wonderful to see a movie with the crowd. Uh, nobody was on top of anybody. There's really no COVID protocols going on. You know, they they are going with the uh, I guess what the CDC guidelines are. And for New Jersey, it's you know it's it, it's kind of like a trust thing. They're hoping if you're mm-hmm. vaccinated. You know, you're good to go. If you're not, we hope you're wearing a mask type of deal, you know. They they suggest it. 
but obviously they're not going to attack you if you're not doing it. You know, they do say that, listen, you know, keep your mask on if you can. Uh, you can take it off to eat and drink and so forth, you know. But, again, I'm vaccinated, so I'm good to go. Sam's not. She's 11, but she kept her mask on. Uh, you know, we try to, try, try to adhere to the rules as best we can to show, you know, that we're, uh, you know, that, that we're at least trying our best to, to do our part in this whole fucking crapshoot that we're dealing with. On to the movie itself. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry. What's, what's up? What's up, Monkey? No, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah, I was excited because I want to hear how the movie was, man. I was happy to see a Marvel film that's finally worthy of being a post-Endgame movie. Um, All right. You know, like, listen, Spider-Man Far From Home, fun little flick that came right after it. Obviously, being that they, they tried to, to pull the, the, the wool over our eyes with what they were doing with the multiverse then, a lot of tricks. It, you know, it, did it deal a little bit with the aftermath of things? Yeah, because they were mourning Tony, blah, blah, blah. Spider-Man's got his, his emotional baggage, all this and that. Um, I never felt like in that movie, though, that things mm-hmm. were, you know, in a, in a post-world in which half the fucking universe was gone. Um, and that, you know, like nobody was questioning like the magic behind all of that shit. So, so on to Black Widow, obviously one that uh, as much as, you know, I have grown to kind of like the movie. And again, I keep that on a like. It's definitely still for me in the lower tier of the films, but not as low as Dark World and shit like that. Um, mm. That movie obviously underwhelms because it's a pre all that shit anyway. So it's a, that movie should have been okay. released after Civil War, and, and that's that. That's where Black Widow should have been released, because that's when it takes place. Um, so, again, Shang-Chi, on the other hand, you feel like you're in a world that, okay, some motherfucker came down here and made a whole bunch of fucking people vanish. Some motherfucker came down here, and we lost some of our greatest heroes. Some motherfucker came down here, and hey, by the way, there's magic in our world now. Whoa. Uh, that is what this movie did. It, it presented so many cool things, stuck to an awesome origin story, homages to other awesome martial arts films. Um, the opening sequence, uh, the, opening, the opening battle between two characters was, was wonderful and beautifully choreographed. Um, again, this is, I can't recommend to see the film enough and again it's also one that i do recommend going to see in theater uh without saying any spoilers uh, like i said to you on the, the message group monkey you want to go see this one in theaters if you can pull it off because there's a reason believe me there's a reason i want to <laughs> shout what it is but I can't. Uh, as far as you know, moving so forward into the, into the future of the Marvel Universe, yes, this movie is doing that as well. There are hints, there are clues, there are little things going on throughout the movie. The post-credit scenes are leading into things that are coming up. Again, this is this is the movie Marvel fans have been waiting to see. I I think anyway, you know. So that is awesome, man. Thanks. I'm. It's so awesome to hear you so excited about going back to the movie theaters and then actually hearing about a Marvel product that, you know, embracing the, you know, post-SNAP world and, you know, just getting you so excited about it, man. That is, that is so fucking cool. 
Oh, I am pumped, man. And it's gotten me pumped, you know, watching the trailers before this movie. Again, one of my other favorite mm-hmm. things, of course, is, you know, seeing what's coming up. And yeah, of course, yeah. immediately between all the trailers, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that's coming out. Yep, I'm going to want to see that. Oh, oh, that's coming out, too. Yep, going to want to see that. And, again, by the time the trailers were done, it was like, oh, yeah, there's five more movies within just this year alone that I want to go see in the theater. So it's pretty much a no-brainer. Once I'm, like, you know, back established with work, I'm going to redo my A-list because, you know, I'll just – even if I do just one movie a week, it's still more than makes it a hell. If I do two movies within one month, it makes up the price of it. So – I was good to go. And, yeah, all my points, everything accrued, too. They uh, they kept my account active the entire time, even though it wasn't being charged. So I didn't have the benefits of the A-list oh, awesome. all my points and everything that that accrued over the time because they, they were trying to give people shit away the entire time. They were like, here, take this. Please come back. Here, do this. Take this. Come back. Um, <laughs> so, so I had a couple of dollars that I could also, I used to knock off the price of the tickets, too. But, uh yeah, I'm, I'm pumped, man. I am excited. Movies are back, baby. Movies are back. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Very I know. Cool. We, we had that discussion in the group chat, like, last weekend or so, where the goal and I were talking about all these movies that are coming up, and it's like, holy fuck, like, we're in the downtick of 2021. It's, it's going to be October soon, but there's fucking a stack of fucking movies that I want to see in the theaters. And I was like, I cannot believe this is all happening at the end of, of 2021. All of a sudden, I got this fat stack of movies that are pretty much all in October with the exception of Ghostbusters, um, which is November 19th. But, like, all of them are in October. So I was like, fuck. I was like, it's going to be a, a big movie theater month, October, uh, with these releases that are back-to-back. I mean, you know, last night, Soho, Dune, um, Halloween Kills, uh, Venom, which um, – is actually moved up to October 1st now. Uh, no longer October 15th, the same weekend as Halloween Kills. They just thought, fuck it, make it the first movie of October, and that's killer, if you ask me, because that just saves me a double feature weekend. I no longer have to go sit in the theater <laughs> for two movies. I can just go see one, the one weekend, and then the one the next. I could stretch it out a little bit, you know, breathe a little bit, but no, I, I cannot be any more so. <laughs> Well, they I, did that, I, I too, apparently, because of the success mm-hmm. of Shang-Chi. Um, mm, okay. This movie making money, you know, as far as, you know, it's, it's released weekend and everything. I think they saw, like, hey, you know what? People are coming back if we're putting out a product that they actually want to see. You know, and that's, that's the thing. Like, obviously, all throughout the Marvel, you know, groups and all that shit, of course, anybody said anything this past weekend about the success of this movie, you know, most of the messages divulged into, you know, the whole, oh, well, see, this one is this, and they they screwed over Scarlett Johansson and this and that. And, and, you know, like, uh, my my take on that is still exactly where it was. You know, there was really, even if they went only theatrical with the Black Widow movie, I probably wasn't going to go see it. I think they up the mm-hmm. people seeing that movie by doing the release at home with it. Because I think otherwise most people were like, eh, who fucking cares? She's dead. I'll just wait till it comes at home. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's just a no-brainer. It's, that's why, like, I, the, see, me and the Google girl, we're on, we're on, like, two different sides of the coin here. She's a prequel fan. 
she likes the movies mm-hmm. that kind of like, you know, will go back after a film comes out and it will tell you, you know, how a character became who they did or it'll, you know, allow you to, to know a little bit more of the story prior to the story that you loved. Me, I hate prequels because when those prequels have the same characters in them, you already know what the risks are going to be and who's not at risk yeah. and who's going to be at risk. You know, if this character is not in the future installments, well, chances are he's dead or he's gone for whatever reason. You know, and vice versa. Like, I know throughout the Black Widow movie, Black Widow ain't going to die anytime soon because she's going to be there in Infinity War and Endgame. Um, yeah. So once you take that risk out of the equation, then you better be showing me a damn good fucking, like, die-hard, lethal-weapon-level action movie. And that is not what they mm-hmm. did. They needed yeah. to show Budapest. I've said this a thousand times. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to keep fucking beating the dead horse. I can't change that movie. There's <laughs> nothing I can do about it. No. You tried. Yeah. <laughs> I okay, give up. So, so, spe- so, so speaking of Marvel, um, I, I believe uh, you guys both watched the latest episode of What If, right? I did. Yeah, no, I, did. I didn't have a chance to. Oh, oh, you did not. Aww. Okay, fine. Then we then we will table that till next week. All right, because I haven't had a chance. No, to watch I, <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a chance. I, I, I've literally wanted to, but I got home a little bit late, and I just, I, you know, I kind of laid on the couch, and I was like, fuck everything. <laughs> Stared at the ceiling until seven o'clock when I made all the notes for tonight. So, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, I'm not in the mood to do anything. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, a lot of. That. I was like, I knew I had to do show stuff, so I was like, ah, do I have to have time for a half hour? No, I'm gonna take a nap. My fat ass needs a nap. Got home late, <laughs> you know. I was angry, you know, uh, you know. But I was like, all right, so we're gonna get to it. But uh, so I have it. Uh, maybe next week we talk about it once. Uh, yeah. Um, okay, so in that case, then, I'm going to sit there and bring up what you brought up on Talking Carapace, which sounds cool as fuck, and I can't wait to check this out, is coming up on Netflix. It's going to be an interactive movie, a, an interactive WWE movie about Escape the Undertaker, where it's a storyline where you need to sit there and put the New Day <laughs> through, through the Undertaker's haunted house. It's pretty much, you t- like, from what, I, from what I gathered is they took the New Day and put them into a watered-down version of Saul, and you got to get their asses out of the scenario by interacting with the movie, you know, choose-your-own-adventure kind of shit, and get them out of Undertaker's haunted mansion. This just sounds so fucking <laughs> stupidly awesome to me. I can't wait to check this out. <laughs> Yeah, October 5th on Netflix is release date for the interactive uh, movie, uh, Escape the Undertaker. Uh, it's one of those things where it, it looks cool, but at the same time, I would have fucking marked out for this back in the 90s. This is like a VHS tape or some shit, you know, where it's yes! like you could pause and fast forward and rewind. <laughs> I would have been all fucking over it. I was like, oh, shit, Undertaker and fucking Kane, and there's Hulk Hogan showing up and shit like that. I would have been all over it, but now I'm like, I was like, it's fucking 2021. Are we really doing an interactive movie with The Undertaker and The New Day? Don't get me wrong. I'm going to watch it. But, man, it just feels like it's just too little too late. But I don't know. It could be fun. I just feel like back in the 90s, I would have enjoyed this a hell of a lot more. I know that the ghoul says that a lot and, and the dean says that a lot. Like, oh, if it had been, like, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I get it this time. I was like, you know what? I get it. I get what they're saying. Because if this came out back when I was a kid and I was fucking hardcore and a macho man and all that shit, yeah, I would have watched it. I would have fucking worn out that tape. Ah, fine, fine, fine. I, I'm, I, oh, yeah, because I'm gonna, say, I'm, I, I'm gonna make it. you do it. I'm gonna, <clears throat> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like put, be at your house. I'm gonna sit, sit, sit you down, and we're gonna fucking do this together. 
Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Just don't fucking trap me in that VR fucking thing like you did the last time. You know, almost traumatized me with uh, whatever the fuck game that was. Was it the Resident Evil? Like two years ago? Oh, oh you're talking about you what I... That? Yeah, I totally forgot I did that to you. Yeah, because I made the king sit in a, a PlayStation VR headset and do the Resident Evil um, <laughs> beginning round. Yeah, it was funny as shit to watch Andy doing that shit. <laughs> yeah, because I, I had headphones in, and I had fucking the thing over my eyes, and I was holding a controller. I had no idea where the fuck I was walking. I was half drunk. Like, I was like this, this is all spells for disaster. And I'm looking at fucking scary monsters popping up trying to kill me. I was like, this is what I yeah. need. Yeah, but yeah, but was what 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 was awesome about this is you were jumping at the fucking monsters coming out. You're like, oh zombie! You were jumping with like a broom would fall or something like that. Like, whoa, what the fuck was that? Like, that was a broom, Andy. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Well, so then, my butt. <laughs> it, it was fun to watch. I, I have to admit it. Um, but yeah, speaking of stuff that's too little, too late, but at the same time, from your childhood, you know. But it's still well, awesome, on, on. in my yeah, opinion. What? The whole okay. uh, Netflix thing. Oh, so cool. they've done they've done this before. We saw this with Black yeah. Mirror. They did that yeah, Bender Smash thing. Um, which again, mm-hmm. moderately fun. It reminds me of the early days of DVD, though. So, like the king kind of said, yeah. there was a time for this, you know, ninety-eight, yeah. yeah. nineteen ninety-nine. You know, these DVDs—they <laughs> put out the dra- uh, the Dragon's Lair DVD. You know, this way you can use the buttons on your remote control to to have interaction with the game, uh, with the with the game and the movie or whatever it was. Um, yeah, wow, man. You know, like, the, the, the only reason why I even wanted to weigh in here is because recently WWE just, like, released, I guess, some, some information, and this became a whole big fucking argument on, again, another Facebook group freaking issue. You know, the cool girl says I love to argue. I, I, I don't believe that. I just think I'm right all the time. That's all it is. People want to try to argue, but they, they can't. I know more. Anyway, but I, I, so there was this one kid on there, right? Ever so Who, humble. You know, like, we were talking. Uh, you know me, I'm a narcissist, remember? So, so, so there was this one guy on there who, you know, they were talking about, like, the, the, the success, and I put that in quotation marks, of the recent WWE. Um, you know, because okay. they've reported huge profits over the last year. Uh, that they've made more money in the last year than they had in, in almost, I think, any time prior, actually. I think that's what, that's what I read. Yeah, that's exactly. So, again, now what we're talking about is, is the profit, not the amount of money made, but the actual profit right. of the money. It was like 70%. Mm-hmm. It was fucking profit on right. them this time around. You know, and, and you know, they, they, they want to argue that, like, oh, the WWE's this, the WWE's that. I mean, are they not watching the program? Are they not seeing the show? Are they not paying attention? Like, yeah, it's easy to make all that profit when you cut fucking 60 people's jobs in the last year. So you didn't have to pay those fucking people because you gave them the boot. So sure as shit, man, you cut down your fucking salaries. So yeah, you're gonna make some more money. They're definitely not making it on the video game end because that Battleground fucking game, they can't even give it the fuck away. 
You know, now I nope. know that's branding, all this and that. So the WWE sells it to whoever, and they're they're the ones that make the game and sell the game. Blah 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 blah. But I kid you not, they literally made WWE Battleground like the free PS4 game of the fucking month last month because you know what? Nobody's yeah. buying it at fucking sixty bucks. Nobody's buying it at forty bucks. You read the reviews on it, and everything is saying the same thing. Like the game is just boring, bad, and stupid. It was a desperate release, which is exactly what it was. Okay, Grant, listen, we were yeah. in a pandemic. I get it. You're not doing a whole fucking season of WWE, but you could have did something better than that. <laughs> Obviously, the TV program, you know, whatever they're doing on television, people have TVs, they have cables. So, yeah, they're, they're going to keep their shows on Channel 5, USA, wherever the fuck they're going to do. They're not going anywhere with that. But no. there was a reason why they sold the pay-per-view rights and the WWE Network's video rights to Peacock. They needed the money. You know, they didn't do that because they didn't need money, you know? I'm sorry. I'm sure Vince McMahon's fucking wife's failed political aspirations have led to all <laughs> kinds of problems financially. You know, she couldn't win. Oh, she, sure. she had to get appointed to an office because she couldn't fucking win one, man. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know Vince, I'm sure, would love, would love to run for himself, but, you know, I'm sure he's got all kinds of fucking skeletons in those closets that he never wants to have fucking out. Ooh. You know, like I told the, per <laughs> yeah. the person in the group, like the reality is this. Vince McMahon is a showman, okay? And just like John Hammond taught us in Jurassic Park. Remember, the very first fucking thing John Hammond ever did was make a flea circus. You know, and he did the whole thing with the top hats and the trapeze. Ooh-wee, look at them. They were little mechanized fucking things. There weren't real fleas in that circus. They were fucking wind-up toys. You know, so that's all that Vince McMahon is doing right now. It's all about putting on this show. So the, 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 the idea that they're, they're breaking into entertainment and this is going to be like their next attempt at that China is frightening, you know? Like, I, I, I get it. The New Day is popular. They're popular amongst the, the kids' sect. Undertaker is a legend and will forever be a legend. There's nothing that they could ever do to ruin that, not even this. Um, but, like, yeah, as far as, like, interest level goes, I don't see this rescuing the WWE. I don't see this doing much of anything, but I do want to know how much fucking Netflix is paying them for it. I don't wonder how many of the uh, yeah, well. WWE Studios movies Netflix is fucking going. Well, you know what I've noticed with Netflix, and that kind of is a segue for that on my end. Have you guys noticed, because of the, all of a sudden, this, this, this wealth of streaming services between HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Paramount Plus, Peacock, this one, that one, have you noticed that the big budget movies that used to all be on Netflix have kind of slowly gravitated away from it. And what Netflix has replaced them with, obviously they still have big budget movies on their streaming, don't get me wrong, but they've mm. also replaced them with a lot of foreign films that they're dubbing in English. And that oh, really? okay. is the big move there. Uh, yeah, like there's a lot of Spanish films, there's a German movies are coming through on it now. I'm not saying anything to the quality of the films. They, they could be good movies. You know, I haven't watched them all yet. But, you know, I just feel <laughs> like if they're – it's like they're hemorrhaging, you know, and they're like, oh, hey, mm -hmm. we need to plug these fucking things in. Like, yeah, obviously, listen, the, the Netflix – original series is where their bread and butter is right now you know stranger things is what it is you know stuff like that you know outer banks all these these, these netflix originals are, are huge but i feel like you know uh, i'm hoping that they're they're not gonna 
have issues with those coming up if they're losing money in other ways. But we'll see. I don't know. We'll see if we get a price hike anytime soon. No, I haven't seen what they've done price-wise in a while. Yeah, well, uh, and to, to end with Shang-Chi, I didn't get to mention it before, so I know you were talking about the movie, how much you liked it, and, and theater experience. Uh, I have to thank Shang-Chi. I mean, I know he's a fictional character, but he finally knocked off 2007 Halloween remake from Rob Zombie from the pedestal it sat upon for Labor Day weekend, uh, basically, you know, numbers-wise. You know, what they made in for that Labor Day weekend. So Halloween raked in $30,591,759. Shang-Chi put on the Ten Rings and said, fuck you, $71.4 million. So that officially <laughs> takes the record for highest Labor Day weekend opening. So finally, Michael Myers, mm-hmm. you know, by way of Alabama, could rest in peace. Because <laughs> Shang-Chi, you know, is, is the winner of that uh, record. So good job. You earned those ten rings. <laughs> awesome. um, and then, of course, going from that to Netflix once again, because that's what we're talking about. Uh, Netflix's Volume 3 of Unsolved Mysteries is set to arrive in the summer of 2002. Volume 3 will feature more unexplained disappearances, tragic events, and bizarre occurrences. The first two volumes have included stories such as The Strange Death in Oslo, Tsunami Spirits in Japan, and UFOs in Massachusetts. So if you were a fan of the new branding of Unsolved Mysteries, you'll have to wait until next summer to see the third season. Uh, I have not been a fan of either. I've actually become a fan of the podcast because the podcast does different, uh, different stories, and it's kind of interesting. To, and they actually have a narrator for the podcast. So it's obviously not Robert Stack, but it is a, a guy, uh, Edward French, that does the uh, narration. And it just fucking helps. The Netflix one doesn't offer you any sort of narrator. It just goes into it and goes out. So I'm not a fan, mm-hmm. but you are. 2022 is the way to go. Um, so let's see here. So Creepshow now the 3, other, season three. Now the other thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, King. No, I was going to say the no, other thing ahead. also is uh, like – because I know I'm excited about this. I know Andy's really excited about this. You know, is you know October 8th on Disney Plus. All right, we are finally getting Disney's Muppets Haunted Mansion. That's right. Okay. Yes, we're getting a Muppet Haunted Mansion. Because we all know how much you love that shit. <laughs> you said it loud enough. I heard you. You yelled it at me. But I know what you're saying. But... Well, D- Disney is putting out. Muppet Haunted Mansion on October 6th on Disney Plus. Cool. <laughs> oh, cool. So I'm very excited about this. They, they've been working on this for they've been working on this for two years, and it's finally come together. You know, they had a lot of hiccups along the way again because of COVID, just like everyone else. You know, trying to get all the performers together and all that kind of stuff. You know, because again, you know, it's all right there in your face. You know. Fit, fit, a lot of fisting because that's how Muppets are. But either way, I'm just really excited because this is what's happening. <laughs> and then also, the King put up on the Talking Terror page, Disney Plus is then also putting up around the same time around Halloween, okay? They are putting up the Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales. Ooh. Hosted by the Emperor. It's going to be cheesy little Halloween tales done in the Star Wars universe for some reason. <laughs> it looks so fucking stupid. <laughs> but it, but it also looks like Star Wars 
like they've got me here because it looks like Star Wars. It got, it's a bunch of little vignettes, so it's going to be little short stories. But one of them has got me because it's going to be kind of a Star Wars what if. So they do a Lego what if Luke joined the Empire. So huh. I, you know, so I'm curious about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is actually interesting. Again, I, I, I knew that this was coming out. I uh, didn't look up anything, you know, regarding it. And, uh, yeah, wow, that is kind of exciting, man. I, uh, I just figured it was going to be just, you know, like you said, basically, quote, unquote, ho- you know, horror or Halloween-esque stories within the, the Star Wars universe. So I, I like the idea of them playing a little what-if game with that. That, uh, that, that's fun. <laughs> I like it. And again, it's all, it's all solid CGI, you know, Lego anime, you know, CGI shit. So again, they've got me there. I'm, I'm all for it. You know, it's, it's not 2D stuff. It's, it's all 3D CGI. So, you know, I know that, I know the King's going to be excited about it. Just like I am, because we all know how King loves to mix Halloween and Disney together. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he loves animation too. Yeah, so and you know what? Yeah, as far as like that kind of stuff goes, I, I I'm kind of in his camp, you know. Whereas like you like all that stuff, like I don't. I've avoided the majority of like even as big a Star Wars fan as I am, I've I've, I've avoided the majority of the Clone Wars. I uh, haven't seen anything of Bad Batch. You know, I know obviously with the Lego cartoon versions of these characters look like. I've played all the Star Wars Lego games. Um, I've seen other. Lego Star Wars animation on Disney Plus um, or other places, but uh, yeah, I've never never watched one before. And I mean, I'll probably end up. I mean, listen, the reality is, if I'm using Disney Plus to watch High School Musical, the musical, the series, I should also be using it to watch freaking Star Wars things. <laughs> I will say, Bad Batch is fun. I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, again, the start. The anytime you watch anything that's Lego related, though, just take it with a grain of salt because they're just going over the top with their quote unquote comedy. But yeah, uh, so King, I'm sorry to have cut you off with that news. What did you have, man? You know, I mean, what I do have is a pitch for Disney where I sit and I narrate Disney movies for kids, and I just keep it real. <laughs> that's what I want, you know. Like, all right, kids, we're going to watch The Lion King, and then some shit happens where a lion's born and all the animals got to get up early. And do you ever have to get up early, you know, for work? No, you don't because you're kids. Anyway, you know, the guy's father dies, right? And he's totally dead. And then the next thing you know, these two fucking animals come out of nowhere and they're like, your father's dead. That's cool, but Hakuna Matata, everything sucks. Like, this is a lesson to learn, kids. Like, you just, you don't want to end up like this lion, right? You know, eating fucking grubs and shit like that. And then, you know, you grow up and then you find yourself attracted to another lion and then you have kids. I mean, the circle no, of life continues. Don't, don't you see? It's a metaphor, man. The grubs, okay, are just a metaphor for drugs, man. Timon mm. and Pumbaa are like those far out Cheech and Chong hippie friends that we all ended up having. So, sure. Yeah, man. Simba loses his father and runs away from his responsibilities, you know, due to being misinformed. I mean, wow, a lot of this has fucking so reflective of today's society and politics. Um, You know, a lot of this is due to misinformation and lying from the one side, specifically Scar, 
Trump and Scar. Um, you know, so so you have the right. that occur. Sure. <laughs> you know, they run off. You know, well, Simba runs off, meets these two hippies, and they're like, hey, man, listen, life's a bummer. Shit happens. But you need to kind of kick back, understand that there's nothing you can do about it. Here, eat one of these red ones. See how that makes you feel. If you're not feeling anything in like an hour or so, come back and I'm going to give you a green one, man. Um, If it gets too intense, we're going to go blue. And if you really want to get a a heart on that's going to last for about four hours, we're going to give you a yellow. Um, And sure as shit, you know what I mean? These guys had their whole fucking, their whole thing going. They were like a bunch of fruity motherfuckers running around some jungle paradise in the middle of the fucking desert in Africa. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. as soon as you start to get uptight because you can't handle the buzz that's going on, man, all you they do is start doing fart jokes, and then you're cool. <laughs> that's I mean, it, that's, man. That's Works why, every time. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's why the ghoul would have to be like the next-door neighbor that comes in to correct me. Like when he sees I'm getting too off the fucking rails, he's like, all right, kids, anyway, hey, hey, everybody, I'm going to talk to you about the other side of this movie that Andy didn't quite think about. And then I'll be like, all right, so you know what? We're going to skip ahead, and we're going to go to Beauty and the Beast. All right, ladies, ladies, I'm talking to you. I know you're girls, but you're going to develop into women. Never go to a fucking castle in the middle of nowhere and think that you're safe, because you're not. Because what's going to happen is a big fucking monster is going to come out in a fucking suit that's tailored just for him, and a bunch of abused mentally and physically plates and dishes and clocks. And the next thing you know, you're going to be like, but I love him, Daddy. I love him. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like, well, wait a second, do I really love him? Or is this Stockholm Syndrome? See, kids, I'm trying to help you. Andy wants to help. He doesn't want to destroy your lives. He wants to help you avoid the beast. Gaston had it right. Gaston was just a fucking good-looking guy with pecs that just wanted to slay some ass and just have a good day. He didn't have any ulterior motives. Nope. Gaston was just truthful from the get-go. I'm not saying to be like Gaston saying, you know what, wouldn't hurt. Because the beef wasn't exactly that friendly either. Gaston <laughs> was a date raper, bro. Yeah. You don't know that. He just got that bad reputation from that one Tinder profile review. That was it. That didn't count. <laughs> I know, I know. Allegedly, you know what I mean? But you know, we all know that. Allegedly. Allegedly, then, some shit went down. He called her Belle a couple times. And she's like, my name's not Belle. And he's like, fuck you then. And then she left. That, because his no, and then, on Bell. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, she's dancing around with a big fucking werewolf in a castle. He's a no mean, and then yes, like, no. yes means anal kind of guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, but he can't possibly be a date raper. His best friend's a gay gay little faggot that runs around by his side. Date rapers don't have <laughs> little gay best friends. <laughs> Who, you know, That's a whole other movie. Yeah. Yeah, he had a whole time kid. I love LeFou. <laughs> yeah. Okay, did, did you ever see the live-action version of Beauty and the Beast School? Yes, Josh Gad plays LeFou, and I fucking love yeah. it. I, I, one, I love Josh Gad. You know, I do. Sure, yeah, I who doesn't? He's America's sweetheart. Ever since seeing him for the first time, which for me, I know, like, Donovan was like, oh, yeah, he plays, like, some character, Mondo or some shit on some fucking Cartoon Network thing. Nah, man, for me, my introduction to Josh Gad as a performer, as an actor, as anything, was as fucking brother Cunningham in the freaking Book of Mormon. 
You know, so like oh. I saw him like mm-hmm. on stage, like live performing. This was the original cast of the uh, the Book of Mormon, and that's where oh. I got to meet Josh Gad. And between his his interesting, unique singing voice, and just that that overall comic-y way that he is like and now anytime i see olaf in frozen anytime i see him as lefou no matter what he's still elder cunningham you know like he's still he's still freaking josh gad i fucking love mm. that guy so yeah man like he was the perfect casting choice for freaking lefou i thought it was fantastic and and yep and yeah, okay, whatever, man. Maybe he's a little homoerotic, but he's got a thing for Gaston, man. It's just, it's, that's his boy. He just wants to. He wants to. Gaston's got really big testicles, okay? And LeFou needs to hold those balls on his shoulder for him. This way, when he's hunting and aiming, you know, he doesn't have to worry about those balls getting in the way. I mean, once they get to the woods, anything is open for fucking business. I mean, it's a whole grinder fucking exactly. lifestyle out there. In those woods, just out of like a prison. You know, place. Yeah. It's like it's just it's like gay pounding, it's straight pounding, it's whatever fucking pounding you want in those fucking woods. The beast watches. What and happens just to fucking, the woods? You know, stays in the woods. Yeah. Hey, listen, we don't oh, judge. There's so much cum. Yeah. There's so much fucking cum and broken dishes and cups. Why are there so many broken dishes and cups out here? No, beast got mad. He wasn't invited to the last <laughs> in the woods. Gaston hosted with his quote unquote <laughs> bisexual friend. <laughs> It was a lot of money, so no, I, I will move away from the, the Disney like the, things that night. The chicks don't like the hair in the yeah. mouth, man. He's a little too rough when it comes to the oral end of things, and it leaves fur in there. Don't pull the hair. Tongues. Yeah, don't pull the hair. Don't pull the hair. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, no, we'll move away from, from the, the Disney stuff because I, I joke, but I know one of our fans, Marie, wants to make a podcast with you, uh, Ghoul, and the monkey. And then I just have to be tortured for like two hours with the Disney movie. So no <laughs> one, fuck, no one fucks like Gaston. No one grinds like Gaston. No one balls like no. Gaston. Because <laughs> it'll be fucking my no own level of fucking stopping in your own dick like Gaston. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, he was a boy. He ate, a, he ate a dozen balls. <laughs> At least. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so getting into back into horror because I could I could just fucking dish on Disney all day, couldn't I? Love it. Um, but you know, fans of caffeine like the monkey. He likes his cocaine mixed with his coffee, so he's a little bit of a different person when it comes to that stuff. Um, but you know it better. The company that we talked about on the show before, Dead Sled Coffee, they've made uh, Freddy Krueger, uh, Robert England inspired coffee that Robert England uh, you know made himself. You know, picked out all the beans, shit like that. Uh, well, now, apparently, Rob in Zombie field? is getting like, into it. Like the beans? <laughs> yeah. And it takes three hours to make. And then you come back with it, and it's burnt. And then you just go, there's a coffee, and you're like, ah. Oh, can I consider a baguette for breakfast? No, we had it yesterday. These baguettes you have. Can you tell the monkeys up to any baguettes? We've been eating it for the past year and a half. I'm getting so sick of fucking baguettes. One day. But they're so versatile. You can make it. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but the monkey keeps sending him to you because he found out how to use Amazon last week, so now he's fucking going off. Sending you baguettes every fucking week. God damn it. But, so, no, Dead Slug Coffee, they teamed up with Rob Zombie to make Hellbilly Brew, uh, which is being a pre-order as of right now. You can get either a whole bean or a ground bag for 22 bucks. But as a bonus, if you order up until the 10th of this week, which is this Friday, you can be entered into a contest to be one of the 20 pre-orders to get your very own autographed Rob Zombie Hellbilly Brew bag. 
<gasps> That's Ooh, no fucking way. I know. All the fucking Rob Zombie fans are losing their shit right now and going to Dead Flood Coffee to buy some and hopefully get in that autograph bag that probably smells like cum. Because it's <laughs> autographed and it's one of a kind. I don't know what Rob Zombie's going to do with that bag. <laughs> I mean, you can make your own Rob Zombie homunculi, maybe, if you look it up for DNA. It says DNA's on there. <laughs> oh, and I'm it sorry, where do you have to do with it? <laughs> the coffee blend it's smells like our the coffee blend has a, a unique aroma of uh, like our childhood seventies white drunken white trash. Okay, so it's you know it's uh, also got a fresh blend of Marlboro butts in there um, and and stale beer because again that's all Rob Zombie knows how to do is seventies white trash. <laughs> it's gonna taste like Marlboro cigarettes and hate. <laughs> <laughs> very 70s, very in line. Um, so, yeah, that's, the contest ends this Friday. So if you do want to get uh, that possibility of entering into the contest for the autograph bag, uh, pre-order now until Friday, and then you'll find out. I mean, I don't know, uh, for Rob Zombie fans, so there you go. I mean, I, I like his music, don't get me wrong. And I've always said that. I do like I, his music. It's just that, you know, I love his, his music. His movies, <laughs> yeah, his, his, his movies, uh, you know, it's okay if he retires after uh, Mockingbird Lane or Munsters, or whatever he's going to call it. I'm okay taking a couple months off and regrouping and finding out that there's a decade past 1971. <laughs> wait, wait. What the fuck, guys? There was a 1981, and then I'm finding out about a 1991? Rob, you fucking played a white zombie in the 90s. Uh, I'm sorry, friends. That was 1975. I was there, man. No, that was 1995. You played with Soundgarden? Soundgarden? Uh, I'm sorry, but that's a good 70s band. All right? They fucking shredded. I was there at the Palladium, yeah. Los Angeles, 1974. <laughs> we played opposite Winter Skinner. Oh, yeah. No, but, Ron, but, no. But, dude, I saw videos of you, man, wearing spandex. Spandex didn't exist until the 90s, man. No, no, man. That, no, that wasn't me, man. <laughs> you can't prove that was me, and I'll testify that in court. All my jams came out of the 1970s because I'm an American band. Wow. All right, Rob, we're going to take a nap now. Okay. I'm going to go drink that. Keep off a boo. <laughs> David Lee. Freaking uh, David Lee zombie. Here? <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. David Lee Roth in here. Man, remember the, the 80s, Mr. Rob Zombie? No, I don't remember the 80s. Then they get together and no, then they get then they get together and and, and for, form an eighties band, uh, Zombie Lee Roth. <laughs> zombie Lee Roth, that would be great. And it's all fucking Van Halen Van covers. But sung by Rob Zombie. While David Lee Roth just runs around the back and goes, Wow, whoa, whoa you know, and just jumps up and down a lot of times. <laughs> I, I bought that sword. CD. <laughs> oh, you know there's gonna be a samurai sword in there somewhere. Um uh, so, Warner Brothers this week uh, took to the Internet to provide some Internet marketing for the upcoming Matrix Resurrections. Uh, the, our very own Ghoul sent us this in the group chat, where you can either pick the red pill or the blue pill. And depending on which one you pick, you've got you know, some different kind of uh, slash sequences of the film coming out, because the trailer, the full trailer, comes out tomorrow. So, this is a little tease. I, you know, I was happy that you sent that to us, Ghoul, because it was fun. It was two different experiences in a way. I was kind of glad. 
dead, dead the silent. The monkey? Oh. No, dude, I'm oh, right here. No, man. no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I figured I'd, I'd let I'd let you weigh in first. I mean, that's that's all. If you want me to talk, I'll talk either way. Uh, no, it, it's What'd cool, think, dude. Uh, yeah, I I checked it out. Um, I I yeah, I it was cool because it threw it completely threw me off because the first time that um I tried to check it, my phone reception was crap, so it wasn't working the way it was. So there I was, like literally sitting on the toilet in the middle of the night. I go to click the red pill. Uh, it, it's you know it sit there and does the whole thing and then it hits you up with the exact time uh, that it is right now because it taps into your phone and I'm like, yeah. whoa, what the that fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that fucking bothered me a little bit. I was like, they're in my fucking mind. I was like, am I in the matrix right now? Yeah, fuck that. That's right now. Like, what? But, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like they're always watching me. Yeah, what a rapper that guy, Rockwell. He was around for like a day in the 80s. And he had Michael Jackson do backup vocals for that song. And that was it. He went out. He was like, Mike Trout, One and I'm done, out. baby. One and done. Biggest hit. <laughs> Nobody's going to top this. I'm out. <laughs> it dropped the mic. <laughs> That's it. But, but, but yeah, but yeah it was. Taking the bill. Yeah. I, I'm excited for it, man. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I was a really big Matrix fan, um, specifically the the first movie. I do have some yeah. love for the second film. And then, you know, like each movie for me anyway gets progressively worse. You know, by the time we get to, to Revolutions, you know, I felt oh, like, okay, they kind of they derailed from what I felt the films were about. And they just did their own thing, uh, which again is fine. You know, that's what Chowskis wanted to do. Uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. Again, that's one of those that the more I watch those movies, the the less critical I am of them. Now, going back watching them now, yeah, listen, the CGI is a little rough. You know, they were cutting edge at the mm-hmm. time that they came out. Now we've seen yeah. it. You oh, know, yeah. we've literally seen it done in fucking Lego cartoon movies at this point. Uh, <laughs> you know, those things look more real than some of the shit you're seeing in the Matrix films. Uh, you know, but I just remember watching The Matrix for the first time. Now, again, when, when that movie came out, the year, you know, was the same year as Phantom Menace. So, for me, mm-hmm. and, was, and Star, Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. I will fuck Star Wars. I want to fucking watch Phantom Menace. It's going to be the best fucking movie I'm ever going to see. It's going to be the greatest film ever. Star Wars is back, baby. Woo! And then I saw The Phantom Menace, and I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is Jar Jar <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's got one of the best endings of any fucking Star Wars movie. It just got a fucking slug through two hours and changed to get to that point. Um, and, and deal with me, Salata, things to do sense. Um, are there a fucking not like that? Are there a not like that? <laughs> yeah, no, man. Like, listen, you know, the older I got, the less I had patience for children, um, and specifically children in movies. So when you take your fucking Star Wars movie and you want to make it all about this, this, this irritating, obnoxious fucking child, and you want to tell me that that man is that that child is going to grow up to be the baddest man in this universe up until the Star Wars original trilogy? Nah, man, because he was nothing but a fucking brat. And I just want to kick that little brat right in his balls, send him to his room, and be like, you're not coming out, okay? You're not getting any fucking, you know, you're not going to go in the booth to Eve race. That ain't going to happen, Annie. You're not going to do that, Annie. Um, so anyway, so I didn't see I the see Matrix that in... 
Or the goal is to kick his fucking balls in. <laughs> I just shatter that kid's balls. No more dark Vader people. Movie's over. Get the fuck out of my theater. Whole, I shattered that little brutal, I like ball. You know, and then I'm, hate, I'm hated by Star Wars fans everywhere, you know, forever, because I've eliminated the timeline. He shattered this kid's balls. He's not going to have any kids. He's like Thanos. He just destroyed the entire Star Wars universe. <laughs> he just kicked that ball out of existence. <laughs> With a kick of the foot, man, done deal. You know, that's, that's all. All Qui Gon had to do was give him a fucking, you know, a, a lightsaber, fucking. Lobo- oh, no, I was gonna say lobotomy. Then I was gonna say hysterectomy. I'm going through all the wrong fucking things here. Whatever it is when they sit the balls, I can't think of what it is at the moment. Vasectomy. Vasectomy. Uh, snip, snip, a vasectomy. So yeah, so a lightsaber vasectomy would have been a good dude if he would have done that to Anakin then. <laughs> Everybody's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he could have at least done it to fucking Jar Jar's tongue, and we would have had to hear him for all those fucking movies. Regardless, <laughs> what happened was is I didn't end up seeing The Matrix in theaters. But my friends, you know, were all like, yo, seriously, man, you haven't seen The Matrix? You gotta see The Matrix. Like, this movie was fucking mind blowing, this and that. And I'm like, still holding on to hope. Like, you know, I'm figuring, like, I'm gonna see Phantom Menace again, and it's gonna get better. And it's going to get better. So I think I ended up seeing Phantom Menace like three, maybe four times in the theater, and at no point did it really get better. Same here. Um, that, was actually, that was one of those movies that I actually do think I remember falling asleep in the theater during one of those viewings, and I think that was the one that told me, like, okay, this is never going to get better. Uh, so I did end up seeing The Matrix till it came out on DVD. And, man, I'll tell you what, I was fucking pissed that I didn't go see that movie in the theaters because that would have been so far out to such great mind-blowing concepts, such great philosophical notions and ideas, all of those, those wonderful things that they put into that first movie. And yes, there's some shit that when you watch it now, you're like, wow, they were really hitting you over the fucking head with that old Jesus metaphor, huh? Um, yes, they were. Not too blunt. But, you know, I prefer that to what we end up getting with the two sequels, which just kind of went too far onto the anime end of things. Um, yeah. From what I and again, right now all we're seeing are like these little teaser snippets. If you watch it upon repeated viewing, you get new clips each time, um, mm-hmm. or like a small little thing that like changed here or there. Honestly, again, I, I, I can only judge it by these few clips that I've watched. I think I've, I've watched both red and blue like three three times each, maybe. Mm-hmm. From what these pieces are showing, I'm, it's really giving me a lot of hope. That uh, I, I forget which Wachowski is directing this. I know it's not both sisters. Uh, it's only the one. I think it's Lana, isn't it? Um, is it Lana? I think it is. I think she's I doing the first one. I have so much and then the sister's doing the second. hope. <laughs> I have so much hope now that this is going to be more like what the original Matrix was, because that's where this movie seems to be like looking towards. It's looking more towards it being a humanity type of movie as opposed to it being a live action version of an anime now granted too listen special effects have fucking jumped leaps and bounds so i'm sure they're still gonna go all kinds of crazy with cool cgi stuff but i'm really hoping that this this is a nice channeled film you know they've got 20 years now that they've been in the industry they've had success they've been on the top of the mountain and then they crash and fucking burn with a whole lot of other projects. I'm hoping that humbling, <laughs> that humbling right there 
is going to bring them back to their roots and bring them back to what got them success in the first place. As a movie fan, as a Matrix fan, that's all I want, man. Yeah. That's all we should be getting. So, yeah, I'm looking so what do you to think, King? the trailer tomorrow. Uh, no, I, I, oh, yeah. like I said, I agree with what the ghoul said, and I agree with what you said. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was great that they showed the fucking time. So I'm tripping out, fucking laying, you know, just kind of seeing this at work. And I'm like, how the fuck do they know what time it is? I'm like, God damn it. It's coming true. It's fucking coming true. I'm in the fucking, I'm going to wake up and it's fucking that of fucking, you know, embryonic fluid. And they're going to be like, you are not the one, but you are stuck here, bitch. I'm like, ow. I never got the fucking cool it's, shit. It's, Can I at least put on black leather? No, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're all out of the black leather, but we do have some, uh, uh, some ceremonial t-shirts from 1989's, uh, you know, Batman that you can put on. No! Is it, is it the Georgia one? No, only the Batman. No! No. Gee, the Matrix sucks. Do I even get a gun? No, you get this little whistle and you blow it when something happens. <sighs> all right. People are attacking. Whoop, whoop. Can't hear you. Too busy being cool over here in our weather. No. Just <laughs> Worst fucking matrix ever. I took the wrong goddamn pill. Couldn't they offer a green option where you just fucking stay miserable the rest of your life? Because even the red one gives you optimism. <laughs> but again, um, it's, it's it's a great little it's a great little tactic, you know. It's a, a fun little piece of you know advertising there, you know. And I just am enjoying the gimmick, you know, that they're doing that because yeah. I I I don't think enough movies are doing that, especially with the technology that's out there, you know, to be able to just to be more intelligent about how you get our attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, of, of things from our past, from when we were younger, and, of course, Batman, 1989 specifically, NECA is getting into the world of 1989's Batman with a new release, which is going to be their grapple launcher from the movie. So it's going to be a full-size replica of Batman's signature gadget, over seven inches in length with a screen-accurate foldable handle, grapnel hook attachment, and a motorized spool that retracts the rope and hook after firing uses two LR1 batteries that are not going to be included, of course, because it's NCA. you got to go buy that shit. But Kevin Smith already did it in Mallrats, so we already have our fucking grapnel hook. He already <laughs> made one. So we just have to reach out to Kevin Smith and say, let's have that one they put out, Silent Bob. But I just think it's kind of a cool gift uh, if you know somebody in your life that's a huge Batman 1989 fan. It's a cool kind of replica. And it actually buys And you happen to be rich? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I didn't say it was cheap. I said it's available. <laughs> Nothing NCA does is very cheap. <laughs> I mean, they, they try. I mean, they try to throw you a little couple of gimme-gimmies at the Toonie Terrors, but it's always like $70 or $60 for a figure, depending on, on what it is. Uh, you know, like I said, the whole reason why I built my collection was because of the pandemic. When I was like rolling in the Monday, you know, and I was like, fuck, man, I get extra. I'm getting myself like some of those the homies. figures. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except rolling with the money. Like, you know, yeah. So I, I got a lot of NECAs uh, for that. I know that the Loomis and Michael is coming out in December, so, yeah, that'll figure that out. And there's also going to be an Ash from 1981's Evil Dead, which is the OG one, not the not part two, part three, or Ash was Evil Dead. This is when Ash was a bit of a pussy, when he wasn't quite a hero yet, when he just fucking had to fight until dawn because he didn't want to die. So, But the figure still comes with a lantern, a tape recorder, an axe, and a chainsaw. So... That's going to be another one I've been looking for. I've been looking for an OG Ash for a while, so to finally have one will be very cool, and I'm sure it'll be in that same range, that $50 range that they always do. 
Um, but the uh, last thing I want to talk about real quick uh, before we go into the movie, James Wan's Malignant uh, comes out uh, this Friday in theaters and also on HBO Max. Guess how I'm going to watch it, HBO Max, because James Wan sucks. But, um, you know, I'm still going to check it out. Because, uh, I don't want to actually pay to go see it in the theater. I'd rather watch it from home where I could just shut it off halfway through and go, that sucks, and then just walk away from it. But I originally was excited for this one because it, James Wan said, I'm going to make a Giallo-inspired horror film. It's going to be very inspired by Fulci and by Argento and Bava and all these people that directed uh, the 70s Giallo films. And then the first show came out, and it's essentially the adult version of Drop Dead Fred where a girl's imaginary friend comes back to life to hang out with her, but instead it just wants to murder people. Uh, where was the giallo, sir? That was what I was asking, so he actually had to answer that question. So he basically went on an interview and said that uh, it's, it's not fully a traditional classical giallo. It had certain aesthetical things that I bring into it. It still has the umbrella idea of a woman dealing with the trauma of what happened to her. She's trying to overcome it. She's trying to stay one step ahead of a killer, that is killing these people around her and coming after her. It has a shade of that. But then I take it in a totally different direction. So you didn't make a Jawa, you made your own fucking movie. You're making another weird supernatural horror movie like Annabelle and, and the Conjuring movies. And, and so good for you, James. Good for you. But you're not getting my money this time because I'm watching it on HBO Max, bitch. <laughs> you're not fooling me this you time. You showed him. You're not. <laughs> I did. I showed him because you know what? A half hour in a movie when I'm getting fucking bored and just distracted, I'm going to shut the fuck off. That's what I'm going to do. That'll show James <laughs> Wan to make another fucking miserable goddamn supernatural horror movie. We're done with you, James. Makes up the difference. We don't want to see fucking ghosts and killer dolls anymore. Do something different. And don't say you're going to make a jello if you're going to say it's about a killer and a woman experiencing trauma and having to find out about that. Where are the befuddled cops? Where's the black gloves? Where's the knives? Where's the tits? Not a this Jallo, sir, because you didn't make a Jallo. You made a Juan movie like you always do, you pedantic prick. <laughs> and I love how the article actually says, quote, unquote, my version of Jallo. Now... <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. Sure, you created a new Jallo. Sure you did, James. Sure you did, pal. <laughs> it's original Jallo. Yeah, okay. See, that's what I want to have Argento, who's still alive, go over to where James Wan lives and kick him straight in the fucking ball as hard as Annie got kicked in fucking Phantom Menace. <laughs> and then when they explode, he can be like, why? And Argento can be like, because you can never take a giallo away from us. And then he just runs away into the night. He kisses you like a monkey? <laughs> yeah, he does. Argento kisses him on the cheek, and he goes, that's what you get for fucking with giallo. And then just runs away into the night. Wow. <laughs> After he smacks him with a leather covered glove, you know, just oh yeah, yeah. Back yeah. <laughs> yeah. After his balls have been exploded, that's when he hits him with the glove across the face. He's <laughs> unconscious, like but I know this. he feels it. <laughs> now that we know how you feel you. about James yeah. Wan, you know, what about you, Mark? Oh, Do you I have any you thoughts did. on this new one coming out? Uh, no, because I've stayed away from everything that James Wan just because I don't watch Annabelle or any any of that extended hereditary shit. Nope, 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 nope. But you've seen the Conjuring movies. Yeah, and I don't like them. 
I saw the first two Conjuring movies. I was not a fan of them. I just did not like them, and I stopped watching after the second one. I was like, this is just more of the same bullshit. I'm done. And then when everyone's like, the Annabelle and all this other crap, I was like, no, I'm not watching any of this because I'm not wasting my time because it's, it is not my style of heart. And... This is, like, something where, like, I'm feeling old and jaded because all the kids are all about this right now. You know, they're all about these series, and I'm just like, how about you go back and watch some classic shit instead of getting sucked into this world? It's just, you know, yeah. So I, after watching the first two, I stay away from the entire Conjuring universe. I can answer that for the for the younger crowds. I mean, the reason why they don't go back to the, to the original stuff is for, you know, worse cameras, pacing, Adult. all the things that they're not not used to. Um, they find those movies dull. Um, and, you know, again, that's that's just a generally uh, it's a generalization of general feelings um, of a generational how many fucking words start with G like that, man? Um, anyway, G. so I, I, I kind of sit more on, I guess, out of our crew. I guess I would be the closest to being a, a Wan fan. Um, I've seen everything except for uh, still haven't finished La Llorona, whatever the fuck that movie's called. And you didn't do that one. There might be one other one I haven't seen yet, but probably not. I think I've seen them all except for that one. That one was so fucking – that was just so dull and dumb. We stopped it like a quarter of the way through. Well, he had we're nothing like, to yeah, do with that one. Not, we're not going to watch it. I know he had nothing yeah, to do with that was, that was a, in that universe. It's within yeah, the universe, it's, 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 um, it's not terrible, but it's not good either. But he had nothing to do with it, which is good. So, you know, you know it's like, all right, fine. He, he took a back seat and Michael Chavez took over. But it doesn't make it any better. Michael Chavez also did no, Conjuring 3, and that sucked major goddamn balls. My, my <laughs> big thing really is just the whole idea that, like, yeah, again, like, here we are. He's going to be shaping another universe. Um, now, I mean, he was mm. what? He also did Insidious, correct? Yep. Okay. See, so like, in the Insidious movies, I, I kind of enjoy some of those more than I do the conjuring stuff. Um, so, so again, I'm kind of like, uh, I'm a little excited. I didn't know anything about the giallo crap that he was saying that he was going to make this from the trailers. I mean, you know, look, there's all kinds of eyeball shit going on in it. So maybe that's what he thinks giallos are about. Just like sticking shit in people's eyeballs. <laughs> you know, I saw that too. And I was like, you know what? That's cool. You took a shot of your actress who looks like Barbara Steele and then you turned on her head and then you put a knife in her eye so it's like, ha-ha, look, I'm, I'm making a, a nod to Fulci. It's like, all right, uh, James Wan, I'd like to introduce you to Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright's making a movie called Last Night in Soho, which comes out on October 29th. His trailer was a fucking Jalo trailer. Would you like to sit down and he can explain to you how he fucking did it and how great it is? Okay. He has a minute because he loves talking about fucking movies. And then maybe you want to go <laughs> re-edit your fucking malignant trailer to make it seem like it's the actual fucking supernatural movie that it is. And it has nothing to do with the Jalo? No. James, why are you walking away from me, James? I noticed he's in it, James. <laughs> I have your movies on DVD. You owe me fucking five minutes. No, oh, he's gone. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> tried, but no. So, yeah, I, I, I think that that's just my feeling, is that uh, Edgar Wright set out to make a good Jello. So I'll stay tuned for that one. I'll just sit at home and watch, uh, you know, the HBO Max version of Morgan, and then when it gets to be too bad, I'll just turn it off. And then I'll turn on Witches of Eastwick, because I like that one. 
And let's talk about that one, because that's the monkey's film pick of the week. From 1987, directed by George Mad Max Miller. What do you got for us, monkey? Wow. Nice segue. All right, yes. Okay, which is a week, Wait. <laughs> this is the story of Suki, Jane, and Alex, three middle-aged women who are trying to believe that life has passed them by in their quaint little New England town since the town has seemed to run dry of eligible men. That is, until one night they accidentally summoned a mysterious stranger to the quiet town of Eastwick. Could this stranger be the man of their dreams or a demon from their nightmares? Only together can they solve the riddle that is Daryl Van Horn. So, that's pretty much sums up Witches of Eastwick. Okay. So, I picked this movie because the ghoul and the dean have never seen this movie. And this was another one of those super heavy rotation movies for HBO back when we were all growing up. And we all loved it as a kid. So, so I was really looking forward to hearing the ghoul and the dean's response about this. Just so, once again, we could get that different point of view, you know, of not growing up with it and just a fresh set of eyes. As for the movie, I think this film is just a fantastic piece of acting from Nicholson. I mean, when people talk about Nicholson and pick highlights from his career, it's always things like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Shining, Batman, The Departed, and The Witches of Eastwick. You know, sure, some people might bring up a couple of their films, but these are the ones that everyone always goes, you know, goes straight to. Um, you know, this people showed movie. Uh, this movie showed people who haven't seen The Shining, you know, people who are scared of horror, um, just what Woody, Woody asshole Nicholson can be. And this film is like, why when you ask people, you know, who's your favorite devil or Satan in, in a film? Nicholson is always in the top, top five of those lists. But for all of that being said, while the film is fun and whimsical and it's, you know, with a bit of a saucy side, you know, you can definitely tell where the writers spent most of the time on their scripts because you know sadly the last act of the film just falls dreadfully flat the the filmmakers literally had no idea how they wanted this movie to end and unfortunately yeah you can tell (laughs) so that's all All right (laughs) cool what do you think about Witches of Eastwick so, like the monkey said, you know, like this is a movie that I never got around to see. Uh, I am surprised that the dean hadn't seen it, um, only because, you know, he he had cable. So, like you said, it was heavy on cable, uh, you know, on cable's rotation. I didn't have cable TV growing up in New York, so at the time of this movie's release, and subsequently I didn't have cable until four years after that, until we moved to New Jersey in 1991. Um, but, so here's the thing with this movie, and it's like a major but. I knew all of the major plot points for this film, including who Nicholson was, a fair representation of the three women, and even the ending. And why did I know that? How did I know that, you ask? Was it because of pop culture? No. Was it because of, like, Jeopardy and trivia, things like that? No. I'll tell you exactly why I knew the entire plot of this movie. Mad fucking magazine, which I know me and the Dean Whoa. still have descriptions to, which is fucking fantastic. Mad magazine had movie parodies all the time. And I specifically remember the issue of Mad Magazine that parodied 
the Witches of Eastwick. And their parodies are always so on the money and so good that yeah. they really stayed, they stayed true to what the films were about. They just fucked with the characters a little bit. So, like, at the end of, of the parody there, like, you know, the, the three children all had Jack Nicholson's head. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, like I, that's how good it was. Like I remember this. Like watching the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? I, I this is exactly how like I knew it and how I pictured it and and everything. Granted, one thing was definitely different, and we can talk about that when we hit the ending. Um, so now watching the movie. So yeah, my my introduction to Nicholson was was The Shining. Um, you know, that was like one that I remember, I don't know if, you know, my aunt took me to see it in the theaters, if we had it on home video or what, but like, that's the first time I ever remember seeing Jack Nicholson, um, and knowing him as Jack Nicholson. This was followed up by seeing Prizzy's Honor in the movie theaters. Um, again, another case in which my aunt took me to a movie that I should, again, I think that movie came out in like 83. I was like six, seven. You know what I mean? Like, I had wow. no fucking idea what was going on. All I know is, you know, at the end of the movie, when the two of them kill each other, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I never want to, like, be in a relationship with anybody ever. Um, you know, it was definitely all heady themes and shit like that going on in that one. I've never revisited it either. Uh, you know, over the years, I've had, you know, off and on again love of Jack Nicholson. You know, obviously, 89's Batman. Uh, I'm a huge, and you know, for me, you talk Jack Nicholson, my immediate thing, I, I'm always going to go to his terms of endearment. He was phenomenal in that movie. Um, it was just one of those where he was just odd and, and, you know, showing his age, but at the same time, just, just performing so wonderfully, you know, and, uh, and, and that was a great thing. You know, cut later years, I saw Psych Out, um, which was like a 1960s counterculture film this was during like my trippy days and stuff like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I have it, uh, actually the, the two pack that I have is The Trip and Psych Out. And that's the one that, uh, what's his face signed Peter for Fonda, me yeah. at the, uh, the one, yeah, P uh, Peter Fonda signed at the, uh, the, the one con. Um, so again, to, to wrap all of that up, it's a big, gigantic bow. Yes, I'm watching The Witches of Eastwick specifically to enjoy Jack Nicholson because the rest of the film kind of is like, eh, at this point, because I've seen it all done a thousand times before uh, with other various movies over the years. You know, as far as, you know, like, I mean, shit, we did Hocus Pocus last year. This is just like another, it's, this is Hocus Pocus, except you've got Jack Nicholson in it. Uh, so, yeah, did I enjoy the movie? Yes, I did. I enjoyed it because Jack Nicholson is fantastic, and he's a lot of fun. And you know what? I'll, I'll give the girls credit where it's due. Uh, Susan Sarandon and Michelle Pfeiffer are fantastic in this movie. Cher uh, is Cher. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? All right, Kate? cool. How do you feel about the witch? Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Before we say fucking anything, I'm sorry, because I'll be the fucking Cher defender here, because back when I saw this movie as a kid, I fucking had a crush on Cher because I saw Moonstruck first, and I was like, oh, fuck, man, she's kind of hot in a weird way that I can't really they explain. Took my hand. Something. She's making a move, and then all of a sudden she's like, we're fucking maximum. And I was like, oh, man, look at her hump that fucking cannon. Like, she just watched it, like, you know, and I was like, man, that's so cool. You know, and then I saw her in, in this movie. Because this movie was a huge rotation on WPIX in New Jersey, where I lived, uh, typically on Sundays when they had their matinees. 
and there was nothing else better on because I only had four channels on my TV when I was a kid. So that was the one that I got, my little black and white antenna TV that I had on a little nightstand. I used to lay in my bed and watch movies, and that was one of them. And, you know, for me, Jack Nicholson, it's just, I know everybody loves him in The Shining, and I think he's great in it, but it's just one floor of the cuckoo's nest is my favorite Jack Nicholson movie. Like, it's, just, it's perfect in every way, and it's, just, it's, it's realistic to what was going on at the time with mental health facilities and how they were treated, and to me, that was his finest hour. Um, in Witches of Eastwick, he's doing a great job, too. It's just the fact that I'm so goddamn distracted by his little fucking rat tail with ponytail. Throughout the entire movie. Like, <laughs> the Reggie Bannister, dude. That's all I kept thinking. I'm no. like, holy shit, what did he see? Fucking uh, Phantasm? Well, because Reggie <laughs> Bannister was, like, he did that weird 70s thing where he was kind of bald, so he didn't really have anything to do. So he did that little rat tail on the back, but Nicholson had full hair. Nicholson didn't need to do the little fucking weird samurai he's, weird ponytail on the back. He's receding here, though, there, man. He's receding, and you see it when he lets yeah. that thing go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, as, as far as um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon, I thought they both did a good job. I'm a Sarandon fan. I've always yeah. had a thing for her since Rocky Horror Picture Show and The Clients. Um, a number of movies that she did, like uh, White Palace. Um, Bull Durham. A great one with James Spader. And Bull Durham. Yeah, <laughs> can't forget that. And uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, aside from Dangerous Minds and so Batman hot. Returns, I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay on Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I, I know that, you know, she's considered a sex nah. cop and everything like that. And I, I'm not a fan of blondes, so I don't really get it too much. But, uh, you know, but as far as being a fan of redhead and, and, and you know, dark haired raven girls, yeah. You know, Jane and Alex were doing it for me in a big time. In a big way. You know, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer was in a number of fucking great little films. She was smoking hot throughout the 80s into, like, that early 90s period. You know, I kind of lost... I mean, obviously, you had Dangerous Minds, which was, was after Batman Returns. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, you know, I think of... Uh, obviously, you had Grease 2. You know, you had yep. Married to the Mob. You know, she was in freaking Scarface. You know what I mean? There's a whole ton of movies that she's in. She is fucking hot, man. And she... They needed her in this film. Uh, now, this movie's based on a book. Now, I don't know anything about the synopsis of the book. I don't know anything of the characters of the it. book. We're actually going to order it. Yeah. The Google Girl watched this with me. Uh, we're going to order the book. Uh, she'll read it first, and then I'll, I'll probably breeze through it. Um, just to kind of see what those differences are. But the main big thing here with these actresses, you know, both Sarandon and Cher are both like 40, 41 at this point. Pfeiffer's mm-hmm. only like 28, 29 here. She's still, you know, like I know you said middle-aged women. Michelle Pfeiffer's actually, she's not even 30 yet in this movie. So, like, this is, mm-hmm. this is still prime Pfeiffer, which I did find kind of weird because it, like, kind of made me wonder, like, well, why would she be hanging out with these two older women, which is one of those things that makes me want to read the book because, you know, I don't know how their ages ran in that or if there's any explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, I wasn't sure they, if they, they were trying they, to round everyone, uh, to, like, just to try and have everyone in the same age bracket in the movie. You know, like, I was, like, real life, you know, yeah, obviously different, but I think they were trying to have them basically all around the same, just hanging out together in town, you know, because, you know, as we go into the movie and we get get our very, you know, weird-ass opening, you know, and the movie, this movie, like, has balls, and this movie, like, has a budget, and it's willing to be ballsy as fuck with its fucking budget, because, you know, we have, you know, as we're getting our, op- you know, opening shot, you know, very Tim Burton-ish, 
if you will, you know, scooping out over that town. You know, we, we've got John Williams, you know, doing the orchestra for that shit. And then they, you know, they've got, you know, Warner Brothers got the balls to be like, okay, okay, John Williams, you're John great, but we, w- but we want to know, can you make your music sound, you know, a little bit more like Danny Elfman? And, <laughs> and then John Williams it's probably like, an, it's uh, score. <laughs> you know, John Wayne's like, you know, I kind of did these, like, little movies called Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And he's like, yeah, 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 that's great. But can you sound more Danny Elfman? We would really like that. He, and he's up and coming. We think he's going to be really big one day. So can you just make your shit a little bit more silly? Here, here's some extra money. This John Wayne is counting his money. All right, sure, whatever. You know, so, yeah. So the, so the entire, you know, score was throwing me off because it's John Wayne's trying to sound like Danny Elfman throughout the entire thing, you know. But, yeah, we're going into the town. We're having our swoopy shit and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, we get introduced to the quaint little town of Eastwick. Yeah, and it's it's a typical, uh, you know, back then of the 80s portraying it as a 50s aesthetic where it's a very small town. Everybody kind of knows each other. And I do like the fact that they kept Michelle Pfeiffer young, you know, in that 28, 29 range. You know, just because she's a young woman that got left by her husband, left behind with six kids. But then you have, uh, you know, uh, Alex and Jane, who are both sexually repressed in a way, with Alex's husband being dead and Jane's husband divorcing her. You know, they're very – Alex is much more different with, you know, the fact that she is repressed uh, than Jane is. Jane's very uptight about it, as you can see later in the movie. And Alex is more of that putting up that strong uh, sense of a wall where she's not going to let anybody in. And that's how – uh, we see Daryl kind of worm his way through these three women. But I think I like the fact that they were kind of a little bit older, you know, because they were, you know, reaching that, that prime of their sexual prowess and they're not being able to use it. Well, Michelle Pfeiffer's at home with six fucking kids. And I'm like, man, I would kill myself. Like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how she didn't just drive that fucking van right off the bridge. Like, this is it. Everybody hold hands. We're going into the drink. Zuki can't dance anymore. Who never named me, you know? And that's it. <laughs> She's out. But no. You know, she, 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 she keeps up with them and, and, and you know, as, as much as she can. But, uh, you know, they, they are all sexually frustrated one way or another. But I feel like this whole town is in a way, especially when you meet Veronica Cartwright uh, as Felicia, you know, and her husband Clyde. Richard fucking Jenkins, thank you two for being weeks, in this movie. Even two weeks in a row Jenkins now with, uh, Veronica Cartwright here. Yeah. Yep. Look, at, look at that shit that, that I did. did. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're, just, you're, tying, you're that, tying it together. Yeah, that's how you segue. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Richard Jenkins. We covered him when we did the the, the last cabin in the woods, um, you know, where he was fantastic in that one. But he, he's here just to kind of be background noise, really. But um, it's the three women kind of conjuring up what they think is like the ideal man. You know, he should have a big cock. Well, not too big because Jane doesn't like him that big, but he should be confident. And, and you know, unbeknownst to them, they're, they're conjuring up something. And that something is Daryl, who's going to be moving into the famous Lennox Mansion, which is a landmark property. So, of course, scandalous. You know, like everybody in town is like, oh, my Lord. It's like, you know, there's only 50 people in this town. And, you know, this guy just moved in, and we don't know anything about him. And we don't even remember his name. Like, he gave it to us, but we don't remember how devilish. <laughs> like, you know, I <laughs> love that little thing. Like, yeah, oh, his name anymore. <laughs> Oh, shit, something's happening in the town. It must be horrible because nothing is ever supposed to happen in small towns, especially small religious towns <laughs> like Eastwick. <laughs> of course not. No, it's, it's all supposed to be white, you know, trim fences and mowed lawns and just, you know, 
keeping out people of any other race but whites. You know, that's, that's a big thing in Eastwick. Like, there, there can't be any people of color. And I love the fact that Daryl brings that up towards the end. Like, they're really, he's, he's, there should be other races in the town. Like, we, should, we should, you know, make it something else other than just a white bread town, whitewashed town. But, um, and it's a, a devoutly religious type of town where, like, everybody goes to church on Sunday. It's one of those things. But, um, so, but when you get the introduction of Daryl, I just loved it. It's just the demonic fucking snoring at the back of this recital. And so his chair tips over. Then he's like, bravo, bravo. And we're like, ooh, who's that? Is that him? Is that the guy? Like, you know? Like, but he's, he's there. He's already, he's already planning his seeds, if you will. Yeah. I, see, for me, you know, I, I, I kind of fall in like, oh, sorry. I, I was ahead, just going to say, as far as like the introductions and whatnot go, like I kind of fell on the other side of the fence with this here because I feel like we're not getting any real introduction to the characters. We're real, you know, we're, we're getting like the most basic idea of, of who You're these like, women are. Yeah. And, and what they're like. We're not getting yep. any idea of, you know, I mean, the name of the movie is The Witches of Eastwick. You know, we don't know if these girls are Wiccan, if they practice anything of, like, that nature. I mean, it almost feels like the movie is, like, it's, like, divided in what it was trying to do. Like, in one part, it's very much like a, uh, almost like the movie Pleasantville uh, with Tobey Maguire. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah in which, you know, the, the idea is, is like these women and Jack Nicholson kind of represent more of like what the actual present is and the rest of the yeah. town is trying to be frozen in, you know, the, the 50s, the Truman era. Um, you know, so like, but, but again, like it just feels like the movie sometimes wants to go that route, sometimes it doesn't. We have like this lecherous guy in, you know, who's like the principal or whatever of the school, who's going on this oh, big, yeah. long freaking yep. speech. We get this gigantic rainstorm. Cher's house looks like it's flooding or whatever. You know, these, these <laughs> three women are in the three different variations of. of, of I guess, you know, just, just loss, I, I guess is what it is. One's divorced, one's, you know, mm-hmm. one's a widow, so she, you got death, you got divorced, and basically you got dumped because the other one didn't even bother divorcing her, he just took off. Yeah, um, they're repressed too, yeah. So yeah. You, you, you know, you, you have the, these three very, very different types, and, you know, one is barren and can't have children, the other has way too many fucking kids, you know, even the ghoul girl was like, Jesus, like, wouldn't you stay away from her at some point or another, like, she's like, yeah, you know, yeah. she's cute, yeah. I would bang her too, yeah. but then I'd fucking leave, because she'd probably be pregnant, thank God she never went around my dad, you know, she'd fucking probably have, like, 17 kids in one shot, like a fucking brood, um, <laughs> you know, and the chair, who has one, she has, like, one kid that you... You, you kind of barely see, but you never, re- yeah. you never really see her. You know the character exists. You know they hired an actress to play her, but for whatever reason, the script decides to say, "Ah, eh, she's there, but we're not going to ever really show you anything or give her any kind of like anything to do with anything." Um, I think she plays babysitter at one point, and that's about it. And then we yeah, have Daryl. You know, who who comes, you know, riding into town and whatnot. But again, because we don't have anything established with these women, you know, did they create him? Did he did they summon him? 
Like, all they were doing was sitting around drinking wine and, like, talking about things. It wasn't like they – it's not like they pulled out a Ouija board or some kind of seance and were like, hey, you know, let's play this fun game. And, like, you know, like, listen, let's, let's look at even Teen Witch, a movie that comes out two years after this. You know, they specifically no, cast spells to have these things happen. You know, so at least they were going in a direction with it. Like, this whole film is called The Witches of Eastwick, and the only, the only fucking time the word witch gets mentioned is when Jack Nicholson is talking about how, how midwives were trying to be canceled out, so they started fucking the witch trials because of that. And that's about it. Well, that whole thing is fucking rough, because, I mean, before that, when Alex is the one that says his name, it's Daryl, that's when the beads fall off of Sookie's necklace, and... We have uh, Veronica Cartwright's character, Felicia, falling down the steps, breaking her leg. But then we get this really <laughs> uncomfortable thing where we get sexy Nicholson. And I'm not comfortable with it because it's fucking Nicholson trying to be sexy. <laughs> and I just, I can't imagine him getting laid because he's being really, like, nice to Alex when she comes over, you know, and, and uh, Carl Zrukin from Twin Peaks plays Fidel, his, his servant. Um, you know, so he's walking around the grounds. He's like, you want to see my, my fucking home? It looks like Grand Central Station. And she's like, sure, why not? And fucking he's walking around. And then he takes her to the room, and he's like, hey, so, uh, you know, just uh, lay in here, and I like to get pussy after I eat. And she's like, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm good. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just talking here. And then he's just slaying on the fucking bed. I'm like, Bleh. I was like, please, end this fucking scene. That, like, with, <laughs> no, with his that's big the gun. point, man. He's not supposed <laughs> to be comfortable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, I was just like, yeah, oh, like, I get it. Like, I get his seduction of Alex because she's like, well, no, thank you, sir. And then walked out the door. He's like, but come on. Come on. Just come on. Release yourself <laughs> to me. Come on, baby. And she's like, oh, okay. And then they fuck. And then it's like, okay. That's fine. But the whole him, like, you know, twirling his hair going, so, well, who's your favorite Backstreet Boy? I'm kind of just to AJ. He's like, whoa, call, call, why are you waiting? Call me Joey. Call me Jordan. Wrong boy, yeah, man. Who's your favorite cool. new kid? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of fine because when we see her next session, she gets laid. She's a part of fucking Dexter's Midnight Runners. Because she's wearing the fucking hair, and she's got the... I thought she was going to start singing Come On Eileen when she's riding her bike. I was like, oh, she just joined Dexter's Midnight Runners. So apparently that's his plan. He's going to have a, you know, a resurrection of that band. He's going to start with Alex and just move on to the rest of them. They're all going to be wearing fucking coveralls and berets. <laughs> Sarah is now lead vocal for Dexter's Midnight Runners. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Eileen. Oh, you know? oh God, no. Don't, no God. <laughs> yep. But yeah, there you go. but no. the entire, but the entire scene though. At the same time, I enjoyed it and I found humor in it because I know that there are times where it's like I've come across trying to hook up with someone that was way above my caliber and just acted confident as fuck and it worked. Like I, I knew I was probably looking exactly like Nicholson. You know, I knew I was probably looking exactly uh, no. like him, but at the same time confident as shit and it worked, man, because again, you go into the situation with confidence and you will succeed. I mean I'm not saying that you know, I'm not saying I doubt your confidence and that's great that you did that, but it's just watching Nicholson who's like in his fifties and going, Hey, 
So uh, just okay. rubbing well, my hold on, though. Here. Hold on. You are talking about the same guy, okay, that's married to Lara Flynn Boyle, who married her when she was still in, like, her 20s, when he was in his, like, late so 50s, early 60s, man. You know, so well, it's not like this wasn't Houston. what Nicholson... You know, remember something. Jack Nicholson did this for real. You know what I mean? Like, he got laid I, on a regular I, basis. He was a fucking coxman, man. So... But, him My doing like I that. get what you're saying because you're looking at this That's man so and you're like, it's just it's obscene because he's just so gross <laughs> with what he's saying and the way he's <laughs> delivering it. Him lay, even the ghoul girl was like. Yeah, like she's like, I want to throw up in my mouth a little bit here. But what's like even funnier is when you actually apply it to the reality. And look, I get it. I'm sure in real life, Jack Nicholson cleans himself up a little bit. He brushes his hair. Um, but you can see he's a little bit paunchy in this movie, you know. So the fact that he's doing this, though, like, and here's where, where it kills me. Because had I never read the parody... I wouldn't know that he's the devil. And that's the one thing I kept trying to, like, do, but I could never separate during while watching this movie. Like, how would I have felt about this movie if I didn't know where everything was going to go? If I didn't know who he was? Like, if I went into this, just going to the theater, you know, back in 1987 and going to watch Witches of Eastwick, what the hell am I thinking this guy is? Am I thinking he's just some fucking, like, you know, major coxman? Am I, like... Mm-hmm. Some kind of fucking magic spell. Like, who is this guy, you know? So, unfortunately, though, yeah, I'm going into this knowing full well that he's the devil and, you know, he's come here to do the devil's work. I was just, I was, yeah. I was fine with the rest of the seductions. It was fine. Like, when you go into to Jane's house and, you know, she's playing her, her uh, you know, her cello and she can't really play it right, so he brings over his violin. You know, he's very good on the piano. And then he's like, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, well, I don't give a shit. I'm just talking about the fucking thing that he's good at, which is playing the violin and playing the piano. Okay, okay. You know? yeah, okay, but it's, it's, Paganini is important, man, because at the same time, you say you don't give a shit, okay? This is what we do. It's I fucking break this shit down, all right? And what I'm trying to fucking break oh, down really? here, goddammit, okay, is Pag- the big reason why it, it was chosen as Paganini is because Paganini was rumored to have sold his soul to the devil, and that was why they chose that piece. That's why he was rumored to be so good is because, you know, just just like a guy at the crossroads, he sold his soul to the devil, okay? And it was, you know, also rumored back in the day that they had seen the devil actually play with them on the stage, you know. So, yes, it was a important reason why they picked Paganini, of all things, for the devil to be playing. And again, well, we know the devil plays the middle. Plays. Yes, you know, exactly. Johnny, that's what that didn't work out That's what they should have done. That's what they should have done. <laughs> the Paganini thing's fine. If you're a musical person and you know Paganini, I could be like, ooh, shit. But no, I'm not a Paganini person. I want him to say, you know, uh, my regular fiddle is golden, but this uh, piece of shit down in Georgia, eh, he outplayed me. I'd give him his due. You know, Charlie Daniels wrote a song about it. But anyway, let's fuck on the piano, huh? You think you're going to pick up a chick who studies classical cello by just saying, you know, hey, you, you know how to play Charlie, Charlie Daniels on the fiddle? 
You think that's going to fucking work? So hard. You could have said anything. <laughs> he could have said that he spreads a leg. But that's a panty drop. He could have been like, oh, by the way, I like that's the That's a panty drop. If you bring up fucking Charlie Daniels, dude, that's it, man. You, you pull out the de- You put the devil go- has gone down to Georgia on that vinyl, man, like the king does. Dude, are you kidding me? They're fucking outside his house like a bunch of mewling cats. Just all fucking rubbing their assholes on stuff and freaking out. It's like that episode of South Park with the cat orgy. Just right in front of the king's house. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, hey, Lan, you're talking about your seduction techniques? That's fine. You can stick with your Paganini. I'm sticking with Charlie Daniels, man, because nothing gets a fucking toe tapping harder, and that pain is getting wet and better than that fucking song. Because they're like, oh, shit, I want to hear all about this golden fiddle. And by the time that song's over, they are mine. So okay, yeah, that works. Okay, yeah, okay, that works in South Haddonfield, but not New England. Okay, in New England, you got to go Paganini. All right, so that's oh, why that. she, she was, was ready. Set. As soon as she fucking spread her legs with the cello in there, she was fucking ready for that shit. Like she wanted that dick. As soon as she fucking spread her legs with that cello in there, she just needed a little extra something because then she said fire to her fucking cello and then banged him on the piano. I was like, good. So meanwhile, when we meet Suki coming over, he's just like, hey, you want to play tennis? <laughs> All right. Look, wow, she didn't get a seduction. She just got the And they shot out the witches, and she could hit the ball with her butt. Oh, <laughs> got some sticky seduction. That's it, girls. You're all mine. Suki, sorry. I ran out of time. We're just going to have to play tennis. And trust me, who wants a cherry? <laughs> okay, the ten- the, the, okay, but the tennis scene was fun, man. It was silly. It was lighthearted. You know, and again. Yeah, and and it's you know it's the introduction of them and their powers, you know, showing that when they're yeah. together, they can actually do stuff and make stuff happen. This is important, you know. I know it's important, but it's is it him or they, is it know, them? Uh, who knows? Uh, it looks like it's a little bit of both because you know, then they presumably all go back inside and have you know, horrifying sex with each other. I don't know. They didn't show that part, but you know, they they just. Uh, uh, they, they show you that they're all fucking hanging out. Like, you know, of course, we have Jane with her new hair, all that ginger hair, and they're just all kind of sexy and walking around. I mean, they, they have new senses of themselves. But, of course, all the town is in an uproar of this indecency over these three women hanging out and just banging Jack Nicholson all day. Shame them. Shame them, will you? Because maybe they are witches. Who knows? We don't know, you know. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, you're right. You know, the, the town is being a bunch of brutes because they're hanging out. And yeah, they're hanging out in the pool. You know, they're chilling out, you know, and having some cherries, like you said, man. You know, but, um, and yeah, that, that's, you know, when he seduces Michelle Pfeiffer's character because, you know, he loves the idea of her just being able to spit kids out, you know, because, hey, easy mark, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> you might be able to get triplets out of her. <laughs> no, but it's it's they, they the the girls start to question shit after that. Like after this whole thing about them becoming outcasts and shit. Uh but that's what eventually causes them to for some reason cast a spell on Felicia, fucking Veronica's already does nothing wrong except scream a lot about being like, you know, uh fucked by Jesus or something. You know, early on in the movie, which is like, Get it out of me like you know, and it's like, Okay, calm down. Like there's nothing to do. It's crazy. <laughs> But the problem oh, is when she great. goes full on stand by me and pukes up fucking cherry pits. Like all of a sudden it's like the pie contest. Stand by me. And I was like, oh god, oh god. Like <laughs> Richard Jenkins, you have to kill her. Put her out of her misery. Uh, man, I fucking love this scene. Yeah, just the the effects were awesome. Uh, go ahead, Gould. Cool. 
No, I was going to say, like, these are things that, you know, like I said, I from earlier. Like, I remember it in the parody. I remember all the cherry stuff and, and you know, obviously mm-hmm. not getting the full context of it because I'm just reading it in these small, you know, the small boxes of, of, of the Mad Magazine. Um, but at the same time, too, I feel like, again, like, these are things that are just not being explored properly because, like, we really don't get why she is the way she is in regards to this. We don't get any other right. interactions between her and Daryl. So, like, we don't know why she's being the way she is. I mean, obviously, we know he's right. doing something to her, and that's why the cherry shit's going mm-hmm. on. But everything prior, we don't understand. Um, nope. I, I, you know, I almost, like, the, the more I'm watching this, I, I literally, I'm, I'm, like I said, I, we're going to read the book. But the more I'm watching this, yeah. this is going to be one of those things that I say all the time. I almost wish this was a series because I feel like it could have went deeper into the characters in the town and really gave you a better idea of why things went the way they did. It was in 2009. It didn't work out. <laughs> well, after Felicia broke her leg, though, don't forget they we also had the thing of the bone marrow getting into her bloodstream. Okay, so mm-hmm. they, the docs yep. were already yep. covered saying, you know, she's going to be having a lot of mental issues going on, for, you know, while she's healing up and stuff like that. So I took this as Daryl Horn covering himself up, going any crazy shit that she spouts out is already going to be covered by this bone marrow from the, the broken leg that he calls her right. to have. You know, he's a fucking Which, smart devil here. He, he's got his shit covered by fucking science. So any crazy oh, yeah. shit that she spews out this, in this crazy town, no, science is backing this shit up, not just religious undertone. You know, so ignore the crazy shit that the religious woman said. Did anybody recognize the nurse behind the regular nurse talking to her? No, dude. No, who was it? Berta from Two and a Half Men. Oh, Conchita Farrell. Oh. Oh, shit, yeah. really? Yeah. I, 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 there's no way it wasn't her. Thing. You can see it oh, clear sure as day. Sure she doesn't yeah. have any lines. She's listed as nurse. But, uh, like, I saw her clear enough on my television. I'm like, there's no way that's not fucking, that's, that's got to be her. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it is. But um, with, with Felicia's death on their fucking hands, essentially, they're all like, hey, uh, do you guys want to bail? And they're like, let's bail. But this is, again, why Daryl's fucking smart, because earlier in the movie, he videotaped them all saying, hey, uh, just a crazy question, and I'm totally not going to use this against you at any point. But, like, what's your fear? <laughs> like, what scares you, like, the most, right? Like, whoa. Oh, uh, uh, shared, uh, you know, I was like, uh, snakes, definitely. Uh, Jane is of aging, and, and uh, you know, Suki is of pain. So he's like, cool, guys. That was so cool. Let's get back to fucking. I'm planning not to use this, so just forget about it. Forget about what you said. I just think about. I did enjoy this scene though. I enjoy. I enjoyed the footage of them with the black and white, the black and white, and the small boxing of the of the the imagery and everything. Um, But yeah, I I get what you're saying. It's like yeah, they're they're definitely setting things up to 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 come up later, and it's it's way over the fucking like way too obvious type of, of way of doing it. Right. And that's exactly what he does, because once they disband and he's upset that they're not picking up his phone calls and they're not answering any of his calls to their homes, all of a sudden he's like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to use the fear. And that's when Sherry kind of gets, like, the fucking worst of it. I know that it's supposed to be Suki that does because she's in pain all the time, but I'm sorry. Like, fucking, if I ever wake up to a couple snakes, I'd be like, oh, shit, that's crazy. But if I wake up to a room full of snakes, I'm full on Indiana Jones and out of my way. 
Like, get out, get out, get out, get out. Like, <laughs> fucking, you know, there's so many snakes in here. Ghoul was yeah, picking them up going, oh, you're all so cute. No, no, oh, nah, you know what? Yeah, you got a new spoke about this. Like, we love, you know, we love our reptiles, you know, and she loves them, loves them. She's had some, she's had some really, really big snakes. Um, I'm talking like, you know, those big, thick motherfuckers. I, I wasn't a, uh, the ball wasn't a boa constrictor. No, 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 no. I'm talking like larger than you, like seven foot change, like type of snake. Um, Monty was his name. I forget what he was, uh, but he was gigantic. That's what he was. He was a father. Uh, that's what he was. There's a picture of her holding him, and he's on her shoulders, and, you know, like, you can see his tail is on the feet, and his head is just as long. You know what I mean? Like, he was one of those fucking... He's like a Nagini from fucking Harry Potter, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> Size-wise. So, so that being said, like, even she was like, look, I love fucking snakes. She's like, I would fucking have a heart attack if that happened. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm with it's her on so that. Annoying. If I wake up and I move that blanket and I see that many fucking snakes around me, I am shitting my pants. I am probably literally going to have a fucking Triple H-level cardiac condition. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But, you know, through, through all this, Alex, after her snake attack and, and Jane sees herself aging, She's the one that stands up to to, to Daryl, and she's like, "Come on, like, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know what your fucking problem is." He's like, "Well, you fucking, you know, you women, you come in here, and I give you everything, and then you fucking leave, and then you know, you give me nothing. All I'm looking for is a little bit of fucking sympathy, you know. And uh, is that all to ask?" And she's like, "Oh, oh, that's okay. We'll come back and we'll have sex with you." And he's like, <laughs> "All right, Daddy's back in the game, you know." And that's when they they go back to his mansion, and they're all ready to go, and and he's like, "All right." The next day, he gets up, and he's like, bagels and ice cream on me, ladies. I'll see you back when I get here. Like, they got some weird dates, I'll tell you, Fidel. Oh, by the way, here's some now, Go fucking take a hike. <laughs> now, because of the way you were just talking and shit like that, I, I did have it in my notes here. If they ever remade this movie, yes, they should definitely go Nicolas Cage as, as our guy. Well, they wanted to go Bill Murray. First and foremost. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that, I don't think that would have worked at all. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, imagine. Oh god. I couldn't imagine Bill Murray trying to be sexy on a bed, going, "Well, hey, you know, so uh, you know, I'm a man and you're a woman, so why don't you get over here and uh, give me some kisses, baby?" Like, no, Bill. Talking about Bill we Murray. No. Doing a Ghostbusters. I could see. Yeah, I could yeah see even that where Murray's and strikes. I could see Murray in the role. Mm. You know, I, would I like I it? Couldn't. No, I don't think it would be anywhere near as good. <laughs> but I could see Murray in the role. I think they have to tailor the movie, though. Uh, you know, obviously the, the role will be a little less crazy and a little more comical. You know, that, that's yeah, where yeah, Murray I goes with that. that. Yeah, yeah, I just I, I don't think, think I, but, but but I don't think Murray would have been able to pull off like at the end of you know losing his shit, you know, no, and, no, and being full on evil. I just I, yeah, I, I've just never seen him in a role where he's been able to do that. He's not known for it. He doesn't do it. Like, he, he, I mean, he he played he played villainous quote unquote roles like with Scrooge, but he's just he plays an asshole. Like he's just an asshole. When he plays those type of characters, he's not a villain. Villain, like he could he couldn't play the devil. Mm-hmm. He just yeah, just you know, so that's why Nicholson is a Yeah, he just he's, he's not. And he tries. I mean, he's just something. The thing with Bill Murray movies is that Bill Murray, when he's the asshole villain, he always has to have that thing where he fucking learns a lesson at the end. 
Like, where it's just like, oh, like, being mean to women is bad. Oh. And then they're like, yeah. And he's like, cool. I learned a lesson. Like, no. Nicholson comes into a movie and he's like, I banged all of you. What are you going to do for me now? Come on. Get loose. He has no fucking regrets. He can about anything. So while he's in town, this is when Alex, uh, Jane, and Suki decide to make a voodoo doll out of Daryl using his hair and other things to create this really fucking fantastic candle wax uh, voodoo doll that they start to stab. And as it's being happening, we see Daryl in town. And I just grabbing his legs and grabbing his arms and flailing around in this wind that they created by blowing on it. And then he ends up in a church where he pukes up cherry pits because they're very quickly chewing up cherries and, and getting them vomited up. I was dying. Jesus, sorry. The scenes yeah. of oh, him of getting blown around the town, <laughs> yeah. I was fucking laughing so hard. It was so great watching him get fucking blown down the street, you know, and, like, again, <laughs> the physical comedy going on here. This is actually more surprising for me. Like, you guys would be surprised to see Bill Murray doing the, the anger and, and the rage right. that we, we're going to see at some point here and the crazy, I'm surprised to see this level of humor and physical comedy from Jack Nicholson. From Nicholson. Yeah. You know, because again, like yeah. his comedy is always more of that reserved, sarcastic, mm-hmm. I'm insulting you while you don't yeah. realize I'm insulting you type of comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That, you hit the nail on the head when he does that type of comedy. Like the, not necessarily dry, but it's just very sarcastic, and he's putting you down without you knowing it. But, um, yeah, it's so fun to see him getting blown around into the church, out of the church, when he realizes it's the girls doing it, and he races home. And that's when you get fucking psycho Jack Nicholson, which I fucking love. I just appreciate it. When he's just fucking staring down that camera and charging towards him like, holy shit, he is the devil. Like, yeah, we're getting it. Ah, he's not sexy anymore. He's just fucking evil. His hair's fucking all over the place. He's cracking his neck back in place. Like, just hear that crack. You know, and then he's straightening out his hair, like, all right, you witches are done. Daddy's home. <laughs> oh, no, not the voodoo doll. Don't knock that out. Oh, no, what is he going to do now? And it's like, oh, fuck, like, you got to destroy it. But instead, he, he turns into the most fucking monstrous fucking devil ever. Like, I was like, okay, good job. This fucking movie turned into a goddamn Tim Burton movie at the end. <laughs> Daryl fucking gigantic devil screaming out of the window, and they missed the opportunity to make this X-rated by having this big old devil dog pop into that fucking kitchen window as he's crawling up. I love, I the, like, I, I, I love the big devil. Nope. I love the big dick on the voodoo doll, man. That was great. <laughs> did, yeah, did you see that? Oh, man, that was a big old donger. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the whole thing of now they get the, the pieces of the voodoo doll together, and they destroy it by setting it on a fire. So this essentially turns Daryl into a homunculus. And he just stares at him before disappearing. I just, it was great fucking work for this movie to make that effect of, of Jack Nicholson as this monstrous, devil-looking creature. It came out of nowhere, and I remembered it was coming, but at the same time, I just loved it. Just, I was like, oh, this happy little movie where Jack Nicholson just bones the entire time. Now we're getting a fucking monster. Like, this is cool. Which, I mean, <laughs> you know? yeah. which this is where I had said earlier, like, this, I don't, this was not in the parody. So, like, the whole no, like, him turning go. into a monster and everything, like, I remember in the parody, they ended up killing him with the voodoo doll, um, mm. and essentially that's kind of, like, where it leaves off, and, and that's that. There was So all of this monstrous stuff happening, I'm, like, in complete and utter shock, and I'm like, holy shit, this is actually really fucking fun. <laughs> 
yeah, it's 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 really fun and it's really seeing him as the uh, as the uh, the homunculus, you know, before he eventually disappears. And then we cut to them living in the mansion, Suki, Jane, and Alex, and they have three kids with the same hair color as they do, and it's kind of cute. They have those really fucking annoying uh, baby bumpers that they used to have back in the day, and it's a total 80s thing. I remember them being around when I was a kid. They took up the entire fucking room, and, you know, the babies went, nah, nah, and, fucking, and I was like, yeah, imagine having four of them in the exact same one, and this is three of them, but goddamn, like, you know, three of them going into this big room with all these TVs, and then Jack Nicholson just shows up on the TV as, as Daryl, and he's like, hey, come give Gaddy a kiss. Oh, come on, girls. Nah. Nope. And they just shut off the TV. I don't know. If I, back then, if I fucking had a bunch of TVs with Jack Nicholson's face on and he was talking to me, I'd fucking love it. This just brings it back to the <laughs> Matrix conversation earlier. You know, he was doing the architect. Yeah. He was the architect, you know? I mean, if anything, like, it would just be like an inspirational thing. Or like every day he has a new inspirational mm-hmm. thing to tell me, like, did you ever see the video clip of him talking to Kobe Bryant like when he was a newbie in basketball? Were you trying to give him advice on being a basketball player? Yeah. No, like, I believe so. It's the funniest fucking thing because he's like, they're like, oh, Jack Nicholson, you're a huge fan of the Lakers, and here's Kobe Bryant. He's brand new to the team. What kind of advice do you give him? He's like, all right, champ, you're going to do great. Heat up, get loose. And then he just walked away. And I was like, it's just a fucking crazy <laughs> thing. Like, I was like, I say that to I was like, I, I repeat that to myself during the day at random times. I'll just be like, heat up, get loose. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. That's great. So, yeah, if you guys get a chance, just type in, you know, Kobe Bryant, Jack Nicholson. They'll come up to heat up, get loose. <laughs> That's the advice ever. They're like, you know what? We, we need more Jackisms in this world. Nicholsonisms. He's retired. He should just write a book where he just releases a whole bunch of it. Like, imagine if him and Gary Busey wrote a book together about inspirational messages. It would be more no. cocaine and alcohol-fueled nonsense, <laughs> but I would be there for every second of it. <laughs> well, you know what they say, Jack. Always be great, right? Yeah, that's what they say, Jake. You know what else they say? Eat up, get loose. And don't forget about the pussy after lunch. Yeah. Well, that's right, Jack. That is what they say. I love it. I love it so much. I know you do, Jake. We do make a weird team, don't we? <laughs> Okay, I, I, want that I want that fucking audio tape. I just want it on audiobook. Six hours of them in a room by themselves just ranting about whatever comes to mind. That would be fucking gold. I wish somebody would do that. But All right, so that was Witches of Easter from 1987. Thank you so much for the pick, Monkey. Next week, Ghoul, it is up to you for our film pick of the week. What do you have for us? Okay, so finally, after many delays, and I mean many, 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 many delays, I am finally going to bring us back to horror, and I mean like nasty, nasty grinding, really bad, really horrible type of horror. We are finally going to cover a Serbian film. Uh, I have never seen this. All all I have done is heard about this is the most disgusting movie ever. This is this. This is that. Uh, I have it on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever it is. I'm almost positive the Dean has a way to watch it as well. So as long as you guys don't have any any issues with being able to see this movie, that is what we are going with. Yeah. I mean, Return to Horror, we did Candyman 2 last week. That's a horror movie. It's not like we covered fucking Pleasantville, like you said, you know? 
Oh, no, no, no. You, I, I'm just saying from the, the, the weak differential, that's all. No, I get you, man. No, no, okay, well, I mean, hard, that so. I get. I was going to say, you make it seem and like you took like, a couple of weeks We did Samurai fucking Reincarnation the week before, and that was a horror movie. Well, yeah, well, there was a lot of things, that movie. <laughs> it know, was, was a, it was a horror movie. One. Uh, the yeah, version you watched was well, the version you watched wasn't a horror movie, but the version I watched was. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's my takeaway from that. And it's a, a Serbian film as we we go uh, from 2010. I've seen it. I know of it. I, uh, it, it okay. <laughs> we will. We will. Oh, discuss, we will discuss oh, it. There's a guy named Milos and his and his toy. Whatever that they made might even be an NECA. Probably not. Though. I don't think they would make something like that. But I know whatever the no, toy is that, that, that has to do with it. All I know is the toy is supposedly like anatomically correct. It's got something to do with his dick. So that that's that is literally about all I know about a Serbian film. Like I know nothing going into this film at all. I know nothing about this well, movie. And that's all right. So the ghoul is living. going in completely blind. Let's let let him enjoy the ride. Don't no spoilers, King. Let him enjoy the ride. But I just said, I said that's why I can't say anything because you never saw it before. So we're just gonna have to stay tuned next week. I just I have no words, and I probably won't next week either. So ghoul, get in the driver's seat. Get hot. Get <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Generation. I'm ready, baby. Put it on the go. All right. So go ahead and sign yourself up, uh, monkey. Yeah, so thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror and letting us come to your ears. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. Kiss so the kiss of the beast wig. Kiss the beast wig. Stay scared, everybody. Get out. Go see Shang-Chi. Get back to theaters. Movies are coming out. Movies that you guys want to see. Stay clean. Stay masked up. You know, go back, get vaccinated, but go fucking join the world again, man. It is, it's still out there. It's out there for your taking. So again, stay scared. Get to the theaters again, and just live. Live, laugh, love, perhaps. I don't know. In that order, and out of that order, I don't know. Uh, but yes, Pretty go sure back to the trademark. theaters. Get your popcorn. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Uh, just I don't know. Live, laugh, and and queef. I don't know. I want to think of something for our show. <laughs> you know, live, laugh, you know. weep. Live, New doormat laugh. available in the Talking Terror shop. Yeah, that should be it. That's just yeah. Talking Terror's doormat. Live, laugh, queep. I remember my cousin was having sex with a hooker in my living room uh, one night. And, wow. Uh, while, my family, while my family was not in the home, you know, my wife and my kids were away. And uh, so... so mm. You know, I, I had got him a woman of the night, and uh, and I just remember him being in the living room, right, and hearing a couple of noises or whatever, and then all of a sudden hearing him yell, you know, oh, what the fuck was that? You know, what what the hell was that? And she's like, oh, that's 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 a queef, and I can hear him yelling from the other side of the house. What do you mean? What the fuck's a queef? You know, and the girl had to explain to him. Uh, of what exactly it was, you know, at that time. And I just remember, like, being in my bedroom hearing this and fucking, like, dying, like, laughing so hard because, again, like, his reaction to, to it was just so, so fucking beautiful. Sheer horror. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have thought she shit in his mouth the way he reacted, you know? <laughs> oh. 
And then, of course, you know, my favorite term for vagina, wizard sleeve, because I know plenty of people that get a kick out of that. So I'm always like, how's that wizard sleeve doing? Hot get mm. And also, what's up with that wizard sleeve, babe? <laughs> you know? But anyway, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Angie G, thing, saying thank you so much for listening. Hail yourselves, hail odorous, hail Satan, most of all, Jack, we're thinking about you. Until next we meet for a Serbian film, a ghoul's pick. Stay tuned. We know the king likes grins.